Mueller and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? 3 o'clock on a Thursday. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory for the next three hours here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. You know, Motsi, I was reviewing some tape mm-hmm. yesterday, right? Um, you know, I was going back. I was listening to some of the shows from earlier in the week because, you know, you and I, we're, we're like a football team, right? I mean, we, we want, we're trying to get better every week. We're like a well-polished unit over here. That's what we do, man. We so focus I, on the little things. I was listening to, uh, to tape, and I was surprised because, you know, normally when I mess up in the minutiae, you let me know. Every because, once in a while. Right? Because in the minutia, that's how we get championships, baby, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. where that's where games are won and lost. That's the difference between a great radio show and a good radio show and a bad radio show. Unless you have just a crazy, talented team. Well, that's true. Then you can just overcome whatever. Unless you got a bunch of Jack Lamberts out there, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Arthur Motes, yesterday on the show, when uh-huh. we started, I said you've got us here on, uh, on your 24-7 home of the black and gold for the next two hours. Oh, okay, okay. I'm selling a short, and you know, I like okay. I said, I, when I was watching the film, I was like, oh man, I can't believe Coach Motes, I can't believe Professor Motes mm-hmm. let me off the hook on that one. So I made sure to detail my work today. I like it. I and like you got it. us for the next three hours here on go. SNR. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. Between the two of us, a decade in the National Football League and a really good head of hair. It's up to you to figure out the rest. But here's one thing you should know. You want to chime in, questions, comments, concerns, reactions. Get at us on the dot com. I'm talking the Twitter.com, of course. You can find us there at Wesley Euler at Dabody52. Dabody. What up, Motsi? How are we feeling on this Thursday? Day number four of training camp 2020. Man, I'm feeling great because we are one day closer to them actually getting on the field and having full practices like we're accustomed to seeing. So, I mean, as these days on the calendar continue to pass by, just gets us closer to what we really are all waiting to see, what we're all looking forward to the most in terms of seeing the guys back out there, uh, in terms of seeing Big Ben back out there with the offense operating mm-hmm. without any type of hindrance and things on that nature. But like I said, man, we're extremely close, man. It's uh, the 6th of August right now. So, yeah, man, not too much longer, and then we'll be able to get what we really want. And I'll be interested to see how um, – with the steals, where they were talking about doing the uh, the online broadcast, we were able to click in and watch some of the practices. I'm extra, I'm interested to see what that looks like, and I mean, are they going to show like the whole thing? Is it going right. to be like, are uh, you can see this part but not that part Is of that practice next week when that starts? Yeah, it should be uh, the okay. end of next week. Yeah, okay. so that's the type of stuff I'm looking forward to the most because I think Heck it's going to yeah. be exciting, and I think it's cool because it's keeping up with the times, you know, in the Zoom era that we're in right we now. <laughs> You know what? Like maybe instead of because the current, um, you know, like like your kids, right? They're considered Generation Z, I uh-huh. think, right? Maybe that does that does that Generation Zoom? Is that I, what that I, Z I, stands for? That's what it sounded like right now, man. We're in a Zoom generation. I like that by so, you. Yeah, that's good. So we just got to roll with it, man. So I like the fact we're keeping up with the times right now, man. So I think it's gonna be a, a cool outlook, something that the fans will ultimately enjoy. And ultimately, for us, man, it'll help us to continue to evaluate the players properly and talk about them in the most positive way that we can. Yeah, I'm with you. I think 
no matter what it looks like when we finally get to see it, right, people are going to be jacked up. I mean, oh, you know. Come on, baby. You a, know this. A three-second uh, uptight, you know, a three-second tight angle clip of Ben Roethlisberger no, no, throwing no. the football. In slow motion. In slow motion, just on him. No, you don't see where the ball is going. You don't see just three, four seconds in slow motion of a tight angle lens on Big Ben. That's enough to send Steelers Nation into a frenzy. As uh, actually on NFL.com right now, they're showing him throw, or with, NFL.com, with, pardon me, with NFL With the Liddy Lit one. With, uh, with, <laughs> with Juju and it looks like Deontay Johnson as well. Yeah, I mean, Moats, I I would love uh, – let's let's take a guess here, and I'm sure we probably won't ever get an exact number on this. I don't know. Maybe maybe we could talk to Reagan and some people, and mm-hmm. we can do some research. When the Steelers have that first – okay, hey, Facebook, YouTube, whatever, right? We're broadcasting practice live today at 3 o'clock. How many thousands of people are going to be watching? Thousands. Where's your overall – like, look, ten, no, I'm talking – like, you're right, tens of hundreds of thousands. I was about to say – could it be the millions and millions of millions? <laughs> Put it like this: if if uh, if Hinesville holds what uh, what seventy thousand, I want to say, I'd say like maybe like, like, like sixty eight. Yeah, close yeah. to seventy. Yeah. If you put standing room capacity standing and stuff room like and that, suites, yeah. Probably gonna be, be cl- about twenty. 20, 30,000 easily. I, yeah, I yeah. was I was gonna say, man. I, I like. I, and I'm talking when it initially happens. Not even right. talking just duration of who tunes in throughout the whole time. Right. When they first say, "Hey, we are going live at this time." Yes. It easily be 20, 30,000 Right people. on, right on time, right there. I, I think so too. Uh, especially again. I mean, it doesn't whether you're at work or you're walking around with your phone in your Absolutely, pocket. I mean, man. you could pop onto the Facebook Live. You could pop on to the YouTube. That's gonna be really cool uh, to see. For sure, we'll have that next week. A bunch of things planned for you on the show today, obviously. Mike Tomlin spoke to the media this morning. It looks like he uh, spoke to Good Morning Football as well. Busy media He's day. He's talking to everybody, man. For Coach T. So we'll bring you some of that audio, obviously, here in the next three hours. We will also, in about 10, 15 minutes on the program, new time, same friend, Arthur Motes, our buddy Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh I can't Post remember. Are, are me and him still beefing? Are we good now? I think you're good now. I hope so. Right? I hope so. We're going to find out. <laughs> I think we are good, if I can remember right. <laughs> we need some more high-profile beef. I mean, you know, it, 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 what's the most – is it Lev Bell and Jamal Adams right now? Is that the most high-profile beef besides you and Brian uh, Backo? Strong possibility right now. How about uh, Pat McAfee and Adam Cole? Ooh. Oh, there's some beef. There's some beef there. <laughs> Very true. Very true. <laughs> we will talk to Brian Backo coming up here on the show in about 10 minutes. Uh, but, Arthur Motes, I got a simple question for you. That I was thinking about over the last two hours, right? My daily think tank, think tank time. Well, see, now you got me feeling some type of way. Why do I got to get the simple question? I want the the, the very intricate, well, the, the see, very complex, now, the layered question. That's fair. Although, you know, <laughs> normally when I give you those type of questions, I like to give you a heads up. You know, because, uh-uh. mm, I like it right on the spot. You know, nobody likes to be unprepared, though, you know? I do. <laughs> just fly by the seat of my pants, baby. Yeah, I just wake up, roll out the bed, and get after it. Actually, who am I kidding? All you got to do is look at my college transcripts, and you'll see, <laughs> that, you'll see that I was not a fan of being prepared either. <laughs> Arthur Motes, maybe it's not a simple question. Maybe I'm maybe I'm uh, reducing it there. Basic, uh, maybe just simple in, in the terms of it's pretty straightforward. Maybe mm-hmm. that's the term I'm looking for instead. Straightforward question here. The breakout player for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the 2020 season will be? The breakout player in the 2020 season. Oh, man. I know who I want it to be. Ooh. But I feel like I know who it will be. Okay. If that makes sense. You can share both. Yeah. Who you got? I feel like it's going to be Deontay Johnson. 
But I don't know why I wanted to be Terrell Edmonds, though. Ooh. I don't know why. I just feel like because he's the one right now on defense that has received the most criticism this offseason. He's the one that has the most question marks. Um, I mean, people know what Vince is going to do. They know, I mean, what his ceiling is. Mm -hmm. So even if he comes up short in certain areas, in particular when we're talking about some of the coverage stuff that we mentioned yesterday, sure. it still won't fall on him. Whereas with some of the things with Edmonds when it relates to coverage, he's not going to get a pass on some of those things. So he's the one that deep down I'm like, I want him to be the one to have the breakout <laughs> season, get you you know three, four interceptions, yep. make some splash plays and things like that. But ultimately I feel like the, the no-brainer for me is Deontay Johnson. Just going back again, watching him uh, – and that game he had versus the Bills um, last year, even with you know him, him having some ball security issues and stuff like that, he still was lighting them up. And he was also doing that against arguably one of the top three corners in the league in Tredavious White. Mm -hmm. Seeing some of that stuff again just reminded me of, man, this dude was doing that with Duck Hodges. And beforehand, he did it with Mason Rudolph. Now imagine when he has been who is putting that ball in places where only he can get it. Imagine when he has Ben who doesn't mind extending plays and is going to be able to allow him to use some of the athletic ability to find some of these soft spots in the zones or break away from man coverage. That's the type of stuff that I just kept thinking to myself as I'm watching this tape. I'm like, dude, yeah, he can, he can really do something special this mm -hmm. year. And, and the fact that he's not going to be viewed as the number one receiver because just how stacked the receiver room is right now, everything is pointing to that right now. Everything. I like it because I've kind of got a similar answer, right? A guy that I think and a guy that I want. Mm -hmm. The guy that I think is Devin Bush. Mm -hmm. uh, he's talked about this. He sounds like a guy who knows the responsibility that he has this year. You and I touched on this yesterday, right? It's a big difference between being Devin Bush, Mark Barron's running mate, and being Devin Bush, the guy, right? Yeah. That's, why there's yeah. the, that's why there's Batman and Robin. It's not Robin and Batman. Or Robin and Robin. <laughs> it's peanut butter and jelly, right? Yeah. It's not jelly and peanut butter. It's not jelly and jelly. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I think Devin Bush can be that guy. I know he wants to be that guy, and I think he's got all the tools to be that guy, along with having a very stout defense around him. It's not like he's going to feel like he has to do too much. Correct. He just has to do his job, and everything else will take care of itself. The guy that I think is Devin Bush. The guy that I want, though, Motsi. You ready for this? Mm, all right, let's do it. And I mean no disrespect to my good buddy Zach Banner, but Chuk's a core four. Oh, that's disrespect. So you disrespect <laughs> the Banner. Because are you saying that Banner? I mean, Chuk's is going to be the. I mean, the, I'll take either one. Is Chuk's the? Uh, he's he's new eligible receiver. Is that what you're saying? So I, I was thinking about this right, and in the times where they've needed somebody to pinch hit, well, I guess mm. just last year. It was Chooks, right, against the against the Rams. Well, no, both years. Uh, this past year right. and his rookie year when he had uh, Von Miller. Like against Von Miller. Yeah. But Banner, I guess, what I meant was at least last year Banner was getting playing time during yes. all that. You know what I mean? But you're right. We've seen two kind of limited snapshots of Chooks. One against Von Miller. The other against, obviously he's not lining up against Aaron Donald, but that stout Rams defensive front as well. He looked very solid in both of those games. He's had some injury concerns, some other stuff that have maybe limited his reps. Unfortunately, we're not going to have any preseason games here. But I say Chooks, Motsi, because then I think that allows you to still do more with Banner as well, too. Uh, you, you, can, you can still have Banner being kind of that ace in the hole. Chooks takes over at right tackle. That allows you to move Matt Filer to left guard comfortably. That allows you to have Stefan Wisniewski, right, as that kind of sixth man off the bench who can play multiple different positions. I do think, and again, I, I love Zach Banner. He's a Mountaineer basketball fan. I mean, he's my guy. 
But I think I think Chooks really emerging this season would be fantastic for the offense. I mean, I agree with you. You can't go wrong <laughs> with it. I'm just simply saying the way you were making it sound as if your your dog in this whole in this race is uh is Mr. Chooks Okaru for the start at right tackle, and that would push back Mr. Seventy Two is eligible to just continuing to be in the extra offensive line. Well, you alignment. know, I think it's kind of a lot now, like um, uh, hey, 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 I'm just going off of you know on social media, man. It's a lot like, it's a lot like that, 2014, right? Where you know yeah. I wanted Arthur Most to be the guy. That doesn't mean I dislike Jarvis Jones. Well, the beauty was this: we played. He was on the right side. I was on the left side. I ain't had no issue. <laughs> now it would be different if we talk about 20, uh, 2015, and it's like, oh, Moats and Bud at the same time oh, because we was go. on the same okay. side. But even then, it worked out. All right. <laughs> but with, with you, what you talking about right now? I'm like, ooh, ooh you, you lucky they ain't practice right now? Or, yeah, wait, my on the side, yo. Oh wait, oh wait. <laughs> Yeah, but me and Zach are buddies. I mean, yeah, uh huh. It sounds good. That that's like that's like him saying, you know, Moats. I really want your show to do good, but I mean, if if they replaced West with like Crowley or, or somebody, like it, it wouldn't be that bad. I mean, hey, West is my guy, but you know, Crowley. Uh, that's I just got this feeling. <laughs> West could just feel it. He could call in on Thursdays for backup. It'll be all good. <laughs> as long as he doesn't say Crowley has better hair than me, I'll, I'll let it slide. <laughs> take a break here got to pay some bills on the other side our good friend of the show brian Batko. he'll join us we'll ask him that same question we'll talk about some of the things that mike tomlin said today at his media availability as well he's arthur motes i'm wesley euler you've got us for the next two hours and 45 minutes right here on your 24 7 home of the black and gold snr This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Our Steelers coverage is brought to you by PNC Bank. PNC Bank is the official bank of the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's a Thursday. That means a couple things on the program here. New time slot, same good friends one of them obviously being brian backo of the pittsburgh post gazette he joins us today as he always does on a thursday backo pretty straightforward question for you uh before we get into some stiller specifics here but something moats and i just started kicking around at the start of the show the prime candidate to be a a breakout player for the steelers in 2020 is well i think Deontay Johnson would, would probably be the best answer. I, I know he kind of broke out as a rookie, Wes, but you know he wasn't even the leading receiver on the team. That distinction went to James Washington. So year two is, is normally when you talk about players taking that leap, and, and Mike Tomlin specifically always talks about players making the jump uh, and, and going up a level from year one to year two. So th- this would be the time. The only thing that uh, could potentially hold him back. Only factor that could maybe get in the way of that is uh, just the, there's one ball to go around and there's a lot of mouths to feed. Not only are you going to have Juju Smith-Schuster back healthy, James Washington isn't going anywhere, and you use your top pick on a receiver who's big and fast and Chase Claypool. So uh, I think as long as the, the targets remain there and this offense is humming along and, and is an air attack like we used to see under Ben Roethlisberger, Deontay Johnson would, would be the best bet there. 
I like the fact that we agreed upon something today. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting off to a good start in this new time slot. Yeah. We are, man. I was over here like, have we officially turned that new leaf? I couldn't remember. But I'm going to just say yes because we're on the same page talking about uh, Deontay Johnson. I, I definitely agree with you on that. Now, we got a chance to see Big Ben throw a little bit the other day. Just talk about the overall excitement level from the players that you've been talking to and that you've been seeing, you know, uh, obviously in reaction to Big Ben throwing out there in practice now. Yeah, you you heard it this week. I mean, Deontay Johnson uh, is the receiver that we talked to, uh, the only one we've talked to so far in camp other than Chase Claypool, who, of course, didn't work with Ben before uh, a little bit this offseason. But to hear it from Deontay going into year two, it doesn't seem like Ben is still treating him like a rookie, even though those guys only got a game and a half of, of actual live in-stadium ball that meant something under their belts in, in 2019. But Deontay said his arm seems stronger this year than it was a year ago. You flip over to the defensive side of the ball, and, and Vince Williams basically said that it just seems like this team is, is carrying itself with a lot more confidence now that Ben Roethlisberger is back. And, and to me, that makes sense. I mean, on an individual level, these guys are pro athletes. Uh, as you know, they're always confident in their own abilities. But uh, it, it just takes you from uh, one step of the game to another when uh, you, you have a future Hall of Fame quarterback rejoining your team and a 17-year vet, no disrespect to Mason Rudolph or Devlin Hodges and the work that they did filling in for Ben last year. But it just seems like a certain swagger is back to this team now that number seven is going to be under center again. Brian, back up of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, our guest here on the Steelers Blitz. Uh, I know you were part of that Zoom conversation with Mike Tomlin this morning, and I tell you what, Backo, he's coming out of the gates hard. I mean, the Tomlinisms, right? They're back. Oh yes. And uh, I'll say this much: the, the, the put the Jello back in the that's, box. That's, that's <laughs> where I was. Yeah, that's well, where I was going. It's great. Here's the thing: that was his opening statement. So, like, he had that ready to go. Like he was sitting up either last night or this morning, getting ready to come on with the media. And he's thinking, hmm, you know what? I like that one. I'm going to not even save that for a question because if I don't get the right question, I can't deploy it. I got to get out there, get it out there in the first minute or so in my opening <laughs> statement and just blow people's minds with this one. No, I mean, it's pretty good. And I tell you what, though, for him, I mean, he's really setting the stage of expectations here, right? I mean, uh, that'd be like, you know, if Zeppelin opened up an album with Stairway to Heaven. I mean, the mm -hmm. songs afterwards better be pretty good, right? If you're going to come out with that line right away, for those unfamiliar with what we're talking about, uh, Mike Tomlin said that he was happy with the conditioning, I think particularly of his veterans, uh, and said, quote, we acknowledge that that was the jello we couldn't get back in the box, so to speak. So it sounds like, right, Becco, that he's at least – you know, given kind of grain of salt and realistically what he can expect from these guys, he's happy with where they're at right now. That's not just lip service. Yeah, I, I interpret it as, uh, uh, you know, no veterans showed up uh, looking like uh, a box of jello when they got <laughs> to training camp. So that uh, is a good thing. Not even any of the defensive or offensive linemen, I guess. But uh, yeah, that was uh, certainly quite, quite a Tomlinism. Uh, he had a lot of them at the ready last year. And uh, as someone in my first year covering the team, in 2019, I really enjoyed getting to, to track those. My favorite under-the-radar one was, uh, I think he was talking about Chris Carson of the Seahawks and said that he has guy-like characteristics <laughs> at running back. So, um, uh, you know, obviously Tomlin meant that he can be the guy, but uh, when you say that uh, an NFL player has guy-like guy characteristics, guy -like. you know, he that. wears flannel T-shirts and he's got a beard and he carries an axe in his back pocket. Big burly chest. Very masculine, that Chris Carson. <laughs> 
That's funny. Now, um, the 4 p.m. opt-out deadline is approaching as we speak. Do you see yep. any situations or scenarios where we could get a potential surprise player opting out from the Steelers, or do you think everybody's pretty much locked in at this point? Seems like everybody's locked in. I mean, I, I guess you never know and, and that if someone's uh, wrestling with that decision really hard, then maybe you would take it right up to the deadline. But I kind of figured that if Mike Tomlin didn't make an announcement to that effect this morning, sort of like he did back in the spring, if you'll recall, I mean, there was no no word on whether any Steelers uh, had tested positive for coronavirus. And then uh, Mike Tomlin was asked about it specifically on one of those Zoom calls and said that there there had been, in fact, two uh, who tested positive early on uh, in the early stages of the pandemic. So I, I thought maybe that there would be a chance that if he was asked point blank, you know, are there any guys that we haven't heard yet uh, about, you know, from the Steelers and any announcements or news releases opting out that he would maybe just put it out there and, and they'd get it out there that way as an organization. But uh, it doesn't seem like anything's happening on that front. So uh, unless something changes here in the next half hour, I believe the Steelers are going to be one of just four teams around the league to uh, be completely unscathed by the, the opt-out option, and, and they did have a couple guys that could have gone the high-risk route. Instead, uh, they're, they're going to keep their full 90. Well, I guess their full 80 now that they've had to make some cuts. But, uh, yeah, can't complain about that. I believe the other three teams are the Falcons, Buccaneers, and the Chargers. Interesting. Yeah, that is correct. Those are the, the four teams so far. Uh, along those same lines, guys, talking about deadlines and opt-outs, it, it just made me think of this, back go. We know that – Steelers kind of have self-imposed deadlines on these things. Is Cam Hayward going to go into this season uh, playing out that contract, or has there been any talks about a potential extension before they get going here? Yeah, I mean, as much as it's getting close on one hand, I mean, there's still a long way to go. It's only August 6th. You've still got more than a month. I mean, there's been guys in the past that I think Stephon Tewitt actually uh, comes to mind as a, you know another defensive lineman on this team as well who didn't ink his current uh, deal until the night before that 27. I think it was the 2017 season started. Abs- so, actually, uh, we, were, I, we were in walkthroughs that day. I remember. <laughs> you remember that, folks? Yeah, because we were getting onto it like, man, you know, we was in meetings with him. Then he disappeared. We come to the walkthrough like, yo, Tua, did, <laughs> is Tua late today? What's going on? Tua, I just saw you. Then he came in with the new money smile. It was like, <laughs> Everybody oh. looked over and said, Tua's got the bag. Yeah, so that's that <laughs> new money right there. We know that walk. <laughs> you know what, most detour here i've always wondered about this um i've never asked any players about it but when it comes to i mean contract extensions like you guys all know that it's a business cam hayward's up for that now there are a few other guys who uh, could be in line to get paid i mean to put it bluntly i mean do how aware are guys of uh of what other guys are making in that locker room and, and does that get um in the way of any i mean does that screw up the dynamics at all when it's you know, all eyes are kind of on T.J. Watt when he gets paid. Like, this guy is the highest-paid player uh, on the defense and things like that. No, I mean, that's a really good question. Actually, a lot of us, we don't focus on the numbers per se. We're just more excited to see the guys get the deal done. Um, from my personal experience, I remember when I was going through my negotiations, obviously it was during the offseason, but remember in having multiple guys hitting me up, talking about me staying, talking about me getting the deal done. And then once I actually did get the deal done, feeling like I was being celebrated amongst my teammates. And then I remember uh, earlier that year with uh, Cortez Allen, 
him being a guy that was in negotiations throughout the whole offseason. And very similar to it, he signs his deal the night before the game in the hotel, and we're just like, we don't care about the numbers exactly. We're just so happy that that player is getting paid and you celebrate them in that regard. So I think that's the difference a little bit right there in terms of we don't focus on he's the highest highest paid player in the league or he's the highest paid player on the team. We're just happy that now he's officially – on that big contract, and then we just call it the big money status. So then once you <laughs> yeah. get there, so you're no, good to no go. No one's getting the calculator out to be like, hmm, now what's this leave for me? So No, nah, no, nah, uh, but, yeah, but what I, I will say is this, though. Once we do know your deal, once the numbers do come <laughs> out, oh, your, your mandatory uh, wagers for certain events, college football and things like that, mandatorily goes up. Like, no more <laughs> of this, oh, man, I can't afford that. Nah. And, and, and we're expecting yeah, – the window. And we're expecting – a nice dinner or some type of treat. If we on that defense with you, we're in the office with you. Yeah, we're expecting something. Well, I'm sure uh, if and when Cam Hayward gets uh, another big deal done, uh, that, that he'd be one of those guys who all of his teammates will be hitting him up and uh, and celebrating him. And, and I'm sure there'd be some good natured ribbing for him as well. Because I know he is, uh, as much as he's a leader and gets serious when the time comes in that locker room. He can also be one of the biggest goofballs. Oh, without a doubt. (laughs) (laughs) Without a doubt. Brian Backhill of the Post-Gazette, our guest here on The Blitz. Uh, Sticking with some of these Mike Tomlin comments, buddy, I I wanted to ask you, were you surprised this morning when Mike Tomlin said, and I forget what the exact question was, right, but something along the lines of uh, what gives you confidence that the M- that the NFL will be able to pull this thing off, right, in terms of having the full season? And Mike Tomlin said, and I quote, I don't know if I am extremely confident. Were you surprised to hear somebody of his profile? Like, that kind of stopped me when I heard that this morning because I don't know if somebody as high a profile as Mike Tomlin has been as candid with a comment like that on the issue of uh, successfully having this season in the midst of a pandemic. Yeah, me too. It, it kind of stopped me as well, and I was going to tweet that quote, um, but uh, it wasn't one of those ones that I was able to uh, immediately transcribe, so I, I didn't because it seemed like something that you want to make sure you get that <laughs> right. exactly right if you're going to put that out there. But And yeah, just I mean, real, real quick, Tomlin, Bri- real quick yeah, Brian, here, ahead, here it is. I got it right here. Um, to that knowledge, has anybody chosen to take the route yet in terms of opting out, and what gives you confidence that the NFL will be able to sort of pull this thing off and Mike Tomlin he he spoke for a second first about the uh, opt-out deadline and then he said and I quote here secondarily I don't know if I am extremely confident I respect the challenges these circumstances uh, have presented to other leagues some of which we are witnessing yeah and here's the thing about Mike Tomlin we we know this now from 14 years of listening to him in these settings if he doesn't want to comment on something or doesn't feel comfortable commenting or, or in a lot of cases doesn't feel um, uh, I, I guess um, suited to comment on it, then, then he simply won't. But uh, I give him credit for, for keeping it 100 on this one. I mean, yeah, I think it's very realistic uh, to, to have those concerns. And we talked about those concerns last week in, in the 12, uh, 12 to 2 time slot. It, it, you can't just bury your head in the sand when you see what's going on with MLB. You hope, if anything, now maybe that some of these postponements some of these, uh, I guess, kind of reminding of how strict the rules should be in Major League Baseball are, are going to get them back on the right path and, and not have to scrap this whole thing. But, uh, yeah, like, like we talked about a week ago, I mean, there's uh, you know at least twice as many uh, players and staffers and, and people in the traveling party when you talk about the NFL as opposed to baseball. So uh, can't blame Tomlin for 
uh, going on record and, and saying that he doesn't have the utmost confidence in it. And, uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting to hear from him this morning. I like that. Now, speaking of some of that confidence and stuff like that, obviously there's been a lot of hype surrounding the return of Big Ben. There's been a lot of hype just talking about this organization and this team just in general right now. Do you think there could be a scenario where the Steelers could be potentially becoming too confident or overconfident during this time frame right now? No, I don't think so. I think last year and really two straight years of not making the playoffs uh, humbles you enough that that's not too much of a concern. I think, if anything, you could argue that that maybe that was the case going in to the beginning of last season. Uh, There was the the cleansing, the the famous Mike Tomlin uh, quote to this point, and and everybody was feeling uh, pretty good uh, about the vibes and the mood in that locker room after a bunch of years of distractions. And then, uh, of course, the rubber meets the road, and you have to actually go out and play football, and things did not go their way. And it actually went downhill in a hurry up there in Foxborough on a Sunday night. And, and after that, it just got away from them with injuries, uh, starting with the one to number seven. So I, I think when you put all of that into a pot, the stew that's going to come out uh, is going to be a team that's motivated at the right level uh, and not riding on the same kind of, uh, you know, we're the Steelers, we have a winning culture, and, and this thing's going to work for us one way or another. At least uh, I would hope it doesn't because they, they simply don't have the resume in recent years to back that up. Last one I got for you here, buddy. Uh, today, again, uh, kind of last one as it relates to what, some of the things that Mike Tomlin said today. Uh, when he was asked about Vince Williams' role in the defense, he had a lot of good things to say, but one thing he didn't mention was anything about his ability in pass coverage. Uh, I know you were on the, the Zoom call, I believe it was yesterday, with Vince Williams. Is that... Yeah, I got to ask Vince Williams uh, a question, and I asked him about that. I did not get to ask Mike Tomlin a question today, so I might have to start saying it's Brian Batko from uh, <laughs> the, the Wes and Moats hour. There you the go. Maybe then I'll be able to get a question in with Mike. There you go. How, how tangible of that is a concern? Is it something that they just have realized that they kind of have to live with? Or is it just purely coincidence that Mike Tomlin, when asked you know, about his role in the defense, didn't mention anything about pass coverage? I think it's a few things. I mean, number one, yeah, you, you do have to live with it. I mean, that's just the reality that they've set up by not addressing that position. Uh, I think Keith Butler uh, pretty much hit the nail on the head with his comments on Friday about how a lot of what went wrong with this defense last year when things went wrong was more communication uh, issues than actual physical execution issues. So uh, you certainly don't want to go from one end of that spectrum to the other. Uh, if you're talking about a guy who's uh, maybe out of his depth or, or asking him to do something that he's not good at doing, or, or at least not one of his strengths when you talk about Vince Williams in coverage. But uh, Vince sounded pretty confident about his abilities yesterday. And uh, I think there's just enough versatile personnel now on this defense where if, if you're in a two-minute situation and it's going to be a lot of obvious passing down, you could get another defensive back in there like a Cameron Sutton. Uh, and when you need to stop the run, which a lot of the teams that are on your schedule this year really like to run the ball and do it well, uh, then, then that's the perfect time to bring in Vince Williams and, and have him play 70-75% uh, of the snaps like he did uh, the two years before last season. So uh, I still think it, it is a concern and uh, it's it's a valid one. You can't just dismiss it when you look back at last offseason and see that they went out and signed Mark Barron for a reason, obviously, and they played him all season for a reason. Uh, but now they're going back to the well with Vince Williams, and, and we'll see what he's got in store in his, uh, what I guess, age 30 season now. 
Now, you talked about some alternatives in there with some of the different uh, packages they could use. You talked about Vince also uh, possessing some things in terms of run game support and stuff like that. But just overall, how confident are you that the Steelers will be able to make do with Vince being out there predominantly instead of it being, like you said in the past, with a Mark Barron? Well, I, I didn't think Barron was great last year by any stretch. But, I mean, I'll be honest, I, I thought they should have done more to bolster that position this offseason after letting him go. Uh, and, and probably what I would have done if I were running the show, and I'm certainly not nearly as smart as Kevin Colbert, but I, I would have drafted an inside linebacker, a more pure inside linebacker than a hybrid type like Antoine Brooks might be. And, and I would have used a, a pick higher than the sixth round on it, I think, maybe instead of uh, bringing in another running back in Anthony McFarland. So, uh, you know, today they could still go to uh, the, the free agent market. I mean, they've done that twice now in, in the past week or so uh, and, and have gotten guys with a, uh, a not insignificant amount of NFL experience when you look at Wendell Smallwood uh, and Curtis Riley. But uh, I still think that the inside linebacker position is, is probably the thinnest on this team. And, and even if you are a believer in Vince Williams, uh, there's just not a whole lot behind him. So you, you'd have to uh, really uh, pray that, that he and Devin Bush stay healthy over the course of a whole 16-game season. So uh, I guess the, to answer your question, Moats, my, my confidence level is, is not particularly high. I think uh, if there are two or three areas on this defense that, that make me think it could be in for some regression in 2020, uh, that spot would be one of them. Brian Backo, he hasn't changed his number since the seventh grade. He's got guy-like characteristics, and he joins us <laughs> – now in the three o'clock hour on and Thursdays, and he can always get the Jello back in the box. <laughs> you know, I'm not it, a big Jello guy. To be honest. <laughs> real, real quick, what you just that made me think of too. There's a guy named Ray Hudson. He's like a famous Spanish soccer broadcaster. Okay, mm. he's kind of like the Doc Emmerich of of soccer in Spain. He's a quirky right, guy. And I've definitely never heard of him. And he, <laughs> but you'll you'll like this too, Mr. Backo. He in the past has described. He said trying to defend Lionel Messi is like trying to nail Jello to the wall. That's a that's a Ray Hudson. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Trying to defend this guy, Lionel Messi, is like trying to nail Jello to the wall. So maybe that's, that's a pretty good one. Maybe that's where like Mike that Tom. Maybe that's where Mike Tomlin got it from. <laughs> I like it. Now y'all gonna have me wanting to go home and eat Jello today. I'm just throwing it out there. All right. Me too. I haven't bought it in, in many many. Right. Years, it's been I forever. Kinda, I kind of have a craving. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you know what? Maybe Mike Tomlin just bought stock in the Jello Corporation, and Smart that's move. why he's pumping it. He knows everyone in, in Western Pennsylvania is going to go buy some Jello now. Backo, marketing. We appreciate the time again. Follow him on Twitter at Brian Backo. Read his work in the Post Gazette. We'll talk to you next week, buddy. Take care out there. My pleasure. See you guys. There he is, Brian Backo. Best in the business, baby. Uh, also, Mozi, I should have said you got to follow this guy on Instagram too, Brian, oh, Brian Backo. Yes, yes absolutely. He, the the videos that he posts of his son just crack me up. It's like every day it's his son in like a new outfit with some kind of drip song, right? Like, oh yeah, post my drip up daily just so they can see. Hey, or came through dripping. Whew. Came through dripping. Drip drip. And it's just his son, you know, in just a different little adorable outfit every day. And I said to back, I was like, you know, you have to work from home forever because these these <laughs> these Instagram posts of your son like dancing on the couch are the highlight of my day. You can't take this away from me, all right? So Need you just, that man. You're just gonna have to stay at home. Great stuff there. Again, make sure you follow that guy on Twitter. Read his work in the post gazette. We're gonna pay some bills here uh and then we will be back to wrap up the first hour of the show we'll hear from mike tomlin in hour number two so don't go anywhere arthur motes wesley Euler, this is the steelers blitz on snr
This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. You know, Arthur Motes, sticking with this uh, breakout candidate, if you will, conversation here, I I think, too, maybe uh, one thing that we haven't talked about Aside from what James Conner would juju is some bounce back candidates as well, too, right? So guys that we've seen have good years that maybe just last year wasn't necessarily their best performance. Mm-hmm. One guy in that regard who's flying under the radar for me right now is Vance McDonald. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know Eric e- I know Eric Ebron is, you know, the new kid in school and everybody wants to go talk to the new kid, you know, and he, he's the cool new guy showing up, walking down the hallway. But we've seen Vance be really productive with Ben. I think, again, with this plethora of, of weapons on the offense, yes, the ball is going to be spread around. But I think that could be a good thing for Vance. Because, right, you could tell me if I'm crazy, but I think we've seen sometimes that, like, less is more with him in a way. You know what I mean? Like, where he doesn't have to be the focal point of the offense. You're not relying on him, but he's free to go out there and make plays. For me, Vance McDonald is one of these these type of candidates, too. We've talked a lot about Deontay Johnson and him taking off. We've talked about Juju and James Conner having bounced back years from, from last year. What about Vance McDonald? Yeah, I could definitely see that with uh, Vance. We know when he has the ball in his hand, his run out there ability, just go back to the Tampa Bay game in 20, uh, was yeah. that 2018. Yeah. I mean, he's proven a lot of stuff. He the, stiff-armed a man all yeah. the way through to the earth's court. No question. Now, I think the biggest thing with him goes kind of a little bit talking about the health element of it and then just being consistent. We've talked about how there's been games where he can flat out dominate. We've seen it. And then some games where he kind of disappears and stuff like that. But you have to to hope that with the full offense in place, with Ben back, that even though we're talking about less targets, he's still going to continue to be very productive in this sense because he's not going to have the pressure week in and week out. When you have a guy like Eric Ebron opposite you, and especially because of the name recognition with the Eric Ebron, it does take a lot of the pressure off of Vance. Vance doesn't have to feel like he has to be the guy. Regardless now, if he mentally continues to operate that way, which he should, and which most players do operate as if they are the starter anyhow, but I think it's going to be a good situation with him having another guy of his caliber, or some people would debate that Ebron is the better of the two. Sure. But when you have somebody like that in your position group, it it helps elevate your play. It helps make you a better player because competition's a good thing. The competition element of it, but also being able to pick their brain. Um, I think about with me and James Harrison, my first year here when they brought him back, just being able to compete with him and say, okay, he got a sack this game, I got to get a sack. All right, he got a QB hit, I got to get a QB hit. All right, and then just kind of talking with them, well, hey, what are you doing right now that's helping you be successful? What are you seeing when a team comes out in this formation and they motion to this? Vance and Ebron are going to be able to have those same conversations. Hey, when you're lining up and this and this DN is lining up in a six-tech on you, how are you playing that? Okay, when he's in a nine, are you chipping him on the way out or are you just free-releasing and just going? Like, what are you thinking right here? So I think this is going to be a really good situation for him. I think so too. I'm I'm excited. He's flying under the radar. I think I think he could have an impressive season. Uh, Jamie chimes in here on Twitter at Wesley Euler at the Body Fifty Two. The Body. Jamie says, "What's up, guys? Been a mega white listener for a long time, and love you guys. Finally got an account on the dot com and ready to be a part of the discussion. We love yeah, it, Jamie. Yeah, welcome to the show." Jamie says, the candidate I want is James Conner because he really has the talent in him. The candidate I really think is Deontay is in for a huge year. Yeah, I I think too, though, to be fair though, right, Jamie, like I think James is kind of like what I just alluded to with Vance, more of a, a bounce back conversation because, again, he is a guy that we've seen make the Pro Bowl before. So it's 
it's tough for a pro bowler to have a breakout year when you've already made the pro bowl. That means you had a pretty good season, but I am picking up what you're putting down there, Jamie. Certainly. It's, it's going to be, I, I'm interested to see what the reps look like for the running backs. I mean, the wide receivers too, Motsi, but when we really get into this, like how much spin is Benny Snell getting? How much spin is Anthony McFarlane getting? But then again, how much of that can we really put stock into? Because maybe some of it is just like kind of what we saw last training camp, right? Where you're, if you know who you want to be your feature back, if you think you've got the guy, you're not going to run him into the ground in training camp. Yeah, very true. You're definitely not. And some of the things in terms of when we talk about a breakout season for a James Conner, we know he had the down season the past year. We know he's dealt with injuries as well for more years than he hasn't. I guess for me, when I think of the breakout year for him, though, it would be all pro status. It would be hmm. tapping into that level because we all know when it comes to the Pro Bowls, if you're not the initial guy to get the votes, it kind of takes away that initial spark from it and things like that. So I think that's kind of what he's alluding to in terms of James kind of having that breakout season because we haven't seen a year. Because even that year when he hmm. made the Pro Bowl, remember, I mean, the whole time it was, all right, he's still trying to live up to L. Bell's legacy. He's still trying to live up to right. L. Bell. And then it almost, at one point, it became more so they're praising the offensive line a lot more than necessarily James Conner for what he was doing because they were just showing that, hey, it doesn't matter who you put back here, you're going to be able to be successful. So I think we're talking about James Conner having that quote-unquote breakout year. It would be him showing that, hey, I'm not a product of this offense. I'm not a product of this offensive line. Right. I'm legit. I can do this. So I think that's kind of like the, the, the angle that could have potentially been talking about with that. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great call for you, uh, for sure. We've got a bunch of tweets today, Motsi. Keep those rolling in, people. We will get to them. We answer in every tweet you see. As the show rolls along. Also, too, is... Every single tweet. I mean, is this maybe a good time to, to, to tease what else we got going on here? Yeah, buddy, let's do it. All right. Sometime in the final two hours of the show, uh -oh. all right? Uh -oh. um, and I'll say this. It'll be towards the back end of the second hour or in the third hour. Because coming up here to start the second hour, we're going to hear from Mike Tomlin. We're going to discuss some of the things that he had to say. But then after that, right, at some point in the back half of the show, Arthur Motes and I are going to throw a phone number out there, all right? And the first person to call it gets on the show with their question. All right, listen, the megawatts, power grid... We get a lot of uh, we get a lot of tweets. I mean, geez, we've gotten like three or four this week already. Oh, already. About when are the phone lines going to be open? When are the phone lines going to be open? Well, we're still kind of struggling in that department. But we shall overcome. We will not allow ourselves to be held back by the situation, by the circumstances. We shall rise to the mountaintops. We shall find a way to give the power grid what it is they are searching for, what it is they are longing for, what it is that they truly deserve. And the congregation <laughs> and the congregation said amen. All right, well that's good. I mean, you know, I haven't been to church since uh, like March, but I mean, good service there. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, <laughs> we have found a way to get exactly one person on the line. All right, and we will try. Lucky we will try and do that again some point in the back half of the show. So we got sixty in the books here, hundred and twenty to go. Don't go anywhere if you want to jump on the line. If you want to go one on 
two with Euler and Mozart. I was gonna say one on one, right? But I mean, it's 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 there's two of us here, not one of us. So I mean, yes, I, indeed. One on one, and I'll just let you talk to Mozart. How about that? I'll just I'll just I'll just sit here and control the soundboard. Uh, we will we'll have some fun in these next two hours of the show. Like I said, around the corner, we will bring you that Mike Tomlin audio. Some great stuff. Him talking about Ben Roethlisberger's elbow. Uh, some stuff with the defense. Like I said, he touches on a lot of the coronavirus protocol stuff that they've been going through. Some great stuff from. Mike Tomlin. We will hear that in our number two when we return. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, 60 in the books, 120 to go. Hey, our live coverage here, I mean, we got another four hours total of live coverage on SNR for you here on day four, so don't go anywhere. We're just getting started. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Good evening, Steeler Nation. How we doing? Satisfied. Well, that's good. Me too. An hour in the books, two hours to go. This is Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, rolling along here. Day number four from training camp at Heinz Field 2020. And Arthur Motes, you can tell things are different because already in four days, Arthur Motes, we've gotten two full Mike Tomlin media availabilities. I mean, what a guy. He wasn't lying. You know, he said, I'm going to do my best. I know that this is tough for everybody, you know, that's in the journalism media world. You know, people are losing jobs. It's harder to come by information. The coverage is getting shrunk. I'm going to do my best to be available to you guys. That's what Mike Tomlin said. He's backed it up twice already. Let's be real. He's a man of the people. He is a man of the people. That is the truth. And he is the Pittsburgh Steelers bench boss, the head coach, uh, heading into uh, a year of – Let's face it. I mean, it always is for the Steelers, right? But expectations, a lot going on. Ben Roethlisberger back, a defense that we all think is one of the best, if not best, certainly top three in the National Football League with playmakers at every level. And now Big Ben's got some young talent around him as well. An exciting time for the Steelers. But certainly, again, just a lot going on with uh, the rehab of Ben Roethlisberger, with the just different nature of this offseason. So Mike Tomlin, for the second time uh, already in this young training camp, speaking to the media this morning, here is what Coach T had to say. Good morning, all. Um, You know, we're doing similar things this week as we did a week ago since the last time we talked. Um, We're excited about getting an opportunity to instruct these guys um, in a physical way, in a classroom setting, uh, different than the spring. Uh, we're getting an opportunity to, to, to show that learning on our feet in a walkthrough set, setting, and we're taking advantage of that. And lastly, we're getting an opportunity to, to display conditioning or improve conditioning, and we've gotten a good sense of where the group is. Um, largely, the veteran players are, are a highly conditioned group. They answered the challenge that we presented to them in the offseason when we work remotely, and that is to come uh, in very good condition. That was the only thing that they could control, and that would kind of be a catalyst for us to move forward. We acknowledged that that was the jello that we couldn't get back in the box, if you will, if they showed up out of shape, uh, because it takes 12 weeks to 
have any real metabolic changes. We're all aware of that. So uh, that created the anxiety of working remotely in the off season. So, so far, so good. Um, it's been fun infusing the young guys into that group as, as, we, as we go through these necessary things. Um, it is unusual to kind of be in the mode that we're in. We all, those of us that have been in this business, we kind of have an internal clock and there's things that you, you know, anticipate doing around August the 5th or so um, annually. And um, the fact that we're not there is an adjustment, but we're working to manage our emotions and focus on the things that we are able to do. Um, and that's the things that I outlined. And we also continually acknowledge that we're not in any way behind because all the other 31 teams are structurally doing similar things or in the same place. So with that being said, I'll open it up for questions. Okay, the first question is gonna be from Ed Bouchette. Ed, go ahead. Morning, Mike. Hey, Ed, how's it going? Good, thanks. Um, acknowledging you're early into this, what improvements at all have you seen in Mason Rudolph? And what expectations do you have from entering his uh, third season? We're not in the working stage yet, Ed, um, to, to hit, for him to have, you know, exhibited any um, significant improvements in any way. Um, and, and so that's a tough answer. Um, we're, we're looking forward to him taking a significant step this year. I think that's a reasonable thing uh, as he continues to mature, not only through time spent with us, but experience and exposure. And he's gotten some in-game exposure. Um, you know, it's going to be an issue for him not to get those quality preseason snaps that are so valuable for a young developing quarterback. But all the young developing quarterbacks have to deal with those circumstances this year and other positional players. It's just a, a function of where we are here in 2020. Okay, the next question is going to be from Mike Pursuta from WDVE. Mike, go ahead. Got me now? Mike, what's going on? Not too much, Mike. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, you mentioned you had a chance to actually address the group. Have you done a team meeting? And if so, how do you do that? Uh, you take them into the great hall and use a megaphone? Or how's, how's the social distancing uh, protocols work out? You know, we're, we're, we're doing different things and we're taking this transitional or this conditioning period, um, if you will, to, to try different things because we're all going into an environment now where you got some unusual considerations. For example, um, Today in my morning team meeting, I met with the veteran players in person and I had all assistants and rookies uh, view that team meeting remotely from other parts of the building, either via a handheld device, iPad or so forth, or we have uh, some in-house television monitors that they can tune in on a channel anywhere within the building and, 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 and participate in that meeting. So, you know, that's just part of normal procedure for us for 2020. We're not going to run away from that. Uh, we're going to try different things to become familiar with all the technology at our disposal in an effort to have the best learning and teaching environment. So that process is ongoing. That's just an example of how we did it today. All right. The next question is from Will Graves from the Associated Press. Will, go ahead. Hey, Mike. I uh, appreciate you taking the time this morning. I know today is the opt-out day for veteran for players. 
to your knowledge, has anybody chosen to take that route yet? And then what is given, what gives you confidence that the NFL will, will be able to sort of pull this off? We've seen the obstacles that Major League Baseball has faced as they've tried to get going. You know, I, I acknowledge that today is the opt-out uh, deadline, if you will. Um, I, I don't have any knowledge of anybody on our team uh, that has any strong considerations in that way. Um, if that were the case, like I mentioned earlier, um, that is a very ind individual decision, one that we all uh, uh, would understand and respect and adjust. Um, and, and secondarily, um, you know, uh, I, I don't know that I'm extremely confident um, I, I respect the challenges that this, this circumstances has presented to, to other leagues, um, and, and some of which we're witnessing. Um, I think we're all, you know, proceeding with caution and working extremely hard not to become part of that. And, um, you know, we've got some people in leadership positions, Dr. Sills and other medical professionals that have led the charge for us globally in the NFL, and we're working our tails off to adhere to it. And, hoping that, that that is enough coupled with obviously personal decision-making that needs to be exhibited continually by our guys throughout the course of this. Okay, next question, Jerry Dulac from the Post-Gazette. Jerry, go ahead. Uh, Mike, hi. I have to assume that you watched Ben throw on uh, Monday and Tuesday, I believe it was. Just curious um, uh, what you saw, what you thought of uh, what you evaluated with, uh, with Ben. You know, I'm extremely comfortable with where he is in the process. Um, it's been great communication from and, and through him and, and the medical professionals um, through his rehab uh, process. I did watch him throw. Um, you know, I didn't see anything that was alarming in any way. His velocity is excellent. Um, maybe his, his spiral could be a little tighter. Uh, I've seen it tighter, but nothing to alarm you in any way. Um, we're going to continue to proceed and proceed appropriately with him in an effort to, to have him ready to go uh, when we step into a stadium. Thanks, Mike. Next one, Joe Rutter from the Trib. Joe, go ahead. Mike, um, you, you talk about the development of players from year one to two. What specifically would you like to see from Devin Bush this year? And is communication going to be a big part of that? You know, communication is a big part of, of his general growth and development because of the position that he plays. Uh, he's a defensive quarterback, if you will, being an all-situation linebacker, one that plays in all down and distances and circumstances. And so, you know, he's the type of guy that has to be a hub of communication. Um, we were thoughtful about the things that we asked him to do in that regard a year ago. Um, he was challenged enough just to play and to, and to be as productive a member of the unit as he was for us, uh, it's reasonable for us to expect him to take us a significant step uh, in those unofficial endeavors that kind of encompass his, his position. And so, you know, we're working on usual things and, and he's displayed, you know, the usual maturational, maturational process things. Uh, he showed up in great condition and, and that indicates an understanding of the nature of this thing that maybe he didn't have a year ago and we'll proceed from there. But there are some unofficial things that he has to embrace, and that's the things that come with being defensive quarterback, if you will. Next one, Brooke Pryor, ESPN.com. Brooke, go ahead. 
Hey, Mike. Uh, when we talked to Ben earlier this week, he talked about just the different perspective that he got on the sidelines, seeing the way the players communicate with each other, the way coaches communicate with players. And I was just curious, in the short time that you've had him back at practice this week, have you noticed a difference in the way that he communicates or his demeanor, leadership, anything like that? He sounded pretty excited uh, when he was talking to us earlier this week. No, um, as you know, I know you guys haven't had a chance to witness this. We haven't practiced yet. Um, we're, we're simply in classroom instruction and walkthroughs, and that's just further instruction, if you will, on your feet. So it hadn't been a lot of opportunity to, to witness what you suggest, but I'm sure he's excited and I'm sure that the group is excited to have him back and, and the leadership and experience that he brings. Thanks. Next one, Dale Lawley from Pit, or DK Pittsburgh Sports. Dale, go ahead. Hey, Mike, uh, I'm just wondering, uh, you, you signed uh, two veteran guys uh, in the past week and when the regular season starts, because of the COVID rules in place, is there going to be a, a lag time on how guys are going to be able to be signed like that? Are they going to have to go through the same protocols, the testing, uh, and, and all that stuff? Is there going to be like a three-day window when you sign guys there, off the street? There is a lag time um, as we sit here today um, procedurally in terms of the acquisition or the working out of guys. Um, but, you know, as the COVID environment is changing daily, I would imagine so is our information and maybe even our policy. So but the things that we're working under today may not be the things that we're working under uh, in terms of uh, as we push into the season. But that is the circumstance today. And that's why you got to be thoughtful about kind of forecasting where you need to fortify your depth and so forth, because it will take a few days in an effort to get thoughts or plans into action in regards to the acquisition of players. Next question is Aubrey Bruce from the Sentinel. Aubrey, go ahead. Hey, Coach, how you doing? Great. Aubrey, how you doing? I'm good. Quick question, Coach. Last year was challenging to you because of all the multiple injuries, and you still pulled off an 8-8 eight eight season, which I think was great. But now compounded with this COVID situation, and you have a few unsure things from a personnel perspective, do you think this year might be a little bit more challenging? You know, I always come into the season expecting it to be challenging. Um, you know, I've been on this job 14 years. I've been in the NFL 20 years, and um, there's always a challenge. What what the challenge may be or, or the, you know, the the highlights, if you will, of the challenge, um, you know, it's, it's difficult to forecast. But just from a mentality standpoint, uh, I think we all who have been in this thing uh, come into this time of year ready to embrace and, and, and meet and hopefully overcome the challenges associated with the journey. A few more questions here. Next one is Jenna Harner from WPXI. Jenna, go ahead. Hey, Mike, good morning. Um, kind of along the lines of what Brooke had asked a little bit, we, when we heard from Deontay yesterday, he kind of just spoke to this excitement, this different excitement that Ben has and I know you guys haven't gotten out on the field, but how have you kind of seen the wide receivers room really respond to the way Ben has kind of come in here being back? Again, sorry, we just, you know, it hadn't been a lot of opportunities for those type of things. Um, you know, we, we've got a new wide receiver coach in Ike Hilliard, and more than anything, the things that I've witnessed um, from that group is them getting familiar of, of working with him on a day-to-day -day basis 
um, in an on-field setting and things of that nature in a classroom setting. Um, and, and so they're in a very much in the get-to-know phase with their positional coach. And I think that that's probably the thing that's kind of moved to the forefront here at the initial stages. I'm sure that as we get into football and we compete a little bit, um, there'll be plenty of evidence of some of the things that you suggest. All right, two more questions. Jeff Hathorn, 93.7 The Fan. Jeff, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Um, just wondering, how would you describe Vince Williams' role with this defense, and how does he lead on that unit? You know, in terms of his role, in terms of the division of labor, um, you know, that's why we come to camp. That's why we go through the things that we go through. Um, just in terms of having work with, with Vince over the course of his career, um, he's a formidable run stopper. That is his niche. Um, he's always been really solid in that regard over the course of his career. He's worked to develop other aspects of his game. Uh, his rush is, is something that has been noteworthy in recent years. His ability to, to win as a blitzer versus backs is, is an asset to us. And uh, his football intelligence and communication skills have always been a solid component of, of, of his resume. So uh, we got a lot of respect for Vince, and uh, we're excited about his contributions this year and some of the details in terms of what his role might be and how it plays out will be determined through this process. Okay, Thanks. final one before Coach has another commitment. Uh, Mark Caboli from The Athletic. Mark, go ahead. What's up, Mike? Uh, my question hey, is... Hey, what's going on? Um, not much. Um, with Munchak gone last year, you lost a voice in the offensive game planning room. Do you think losing that voice hurt? Plus, adding two seemingly strong opinion offensive people in Hilliard in Canada... Uh, you think they'll be comfortable coming in with specific game plan ideas when Randy's putting things together? You know, I, I acknowledge that change and transition is not only a component of play, but also a component of coaching. And sometimes you lose quality people and you get a chance to acquire others. So, you know, some of the veteran expertise that we might have lost in a, in a munchak, we probably picked up uh, on the other side of the ball in the Terrell Austin, if you will. Um, there's strengths and weaknesses of staffs, just like there is of football teams. And so I don't worry necessarily about uh, specific areas. Just the totality of us need to be what, what, what our team needs us to be. And I'm excited about this year's new mix and the, and the strengths that they bring. And also um, I'm cautious about, you know, adjusting to some of the things that we might have lost through transition. I think that's just the component of, staff development just like it is um, team development when you when you lose and, and acquire players and so forth. That was Mike Tomlin speaking to the media this morning. We're up against it for a break, but we will discuss some of those comments from Coach T on the other side. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, this is Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Hey. 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 
A reminder that Steelers training camp media availabilities, all the press conference audio that we play you is presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. We heard from Mike Tomlin there in the last segment. Motsi, I wanted to get your thoughts on some of the things he said. Firstly, uh, the uh, the one that I asked Brian Bacco about, right? When he was asked, uh, what gives you confidence that the NFL will be able to pull this off, meaning the 2020 regular season? Mike Tomlin saying, I don't know if I am extremely confident. Were you surprised to hear him give that candid, straightforward answer, you know, and not maybe kind of beat around the bush on that one on what is obviously uh, just a, a tough, ongoing, nobody really knows fluid situation type question? Um, I don't want to say that I was surprised because Coach Tomlin, when he wants to be, can be very transparent with you. I mean, we know sometimes we joke with him in the media in terms of some of his answers and how they're a little unorthodox or they don't really get directly to the point he speaks in parables like he's Jesus or something. (laughs) (laughs) But... You know, you reap what you sow. You you know, if you got, if you got, you know, yellow paint, you paint the barn yellow and all these other nonsense. But ultimately, man... When we're talking about this situation, it doesn't surprise me because this is something that I'm sure he's not the only person thinking that. I'm sure if you poll the not only the team but the organization, you talk to Mr. Rooney, you talk to Kevin Colbert, you talk to Omar Khan and all those other individuals, they would say the same thing. Are they optimistic that the season will happen? Absolutely. But do they mm. think or feel it will happen seamlessly and be completed in its, in its uh, entirety? Yeah, there are a lot of questions surrounding that, especially when you're you're seeing other sports like the MLB, which is going to be the most similar to your standing, dealing with some of the issues that it's dealing with, along with you have to also remember that for these for MLB, for NBA, for hockey right now, this time of year it's a slow time of year. Right. This is vacation season. This is when, you know, school isn't in, all these other things are taking a pause. As the year progresses, though, when you get into September, October, November, December, and so forth, a lot more transpires. You also have to remember that typically in October, November, December is when flu season starts as well. So you talk about all the different endeavors and all the other obstacles potentially that could get in the way of the NFL season operating seamlessly. There are a lot more question marks surrounding it. So, yeah, hearing him say that, I can totally respect the fact that he was very candid and, and honest about it because he didn't have to be. He could have easily gave us another cliche or, like I said, another parable in terms of why he feels like that. But or just the, you know, he could have said, you know, we're just going to we're gonna listen to the experts. We're going to listen to the doctors. He could have gave us the I kill you, man. Yep. It's above my pay grade. It's all right. <laughs> It's above my pay grade. It is hard to say above your pay grade when you're the head coach, though. I mean, well, you know his levels to it because even as the head coach, he's still, he's if still you look, boss, you look at, but, but if you look at the roster, his pay grade, well, yeah, all right. <laughs> top twenty on the team, top ten. You know what's funny? That, yeah. Does that mean that like Big Ben isn't allowed to say it's above his pay grade? The only per, <laughs> the only time Big Ben says that is when he's talking about Mr. Rooney. Is that simple? <laughs> that that means it's coming from the higher ups. Yeah. Yep. No, I, I, I've told you that story before. The the guy that I worked with, the hockey team that I worked in Ohio, he was the, the defensive coach for the Buffalo Sabres. Mm. And he said, you know, when he went to back to working in collegiate hockey, he was like, I he's like, I, I don't ever want to work in professional hockey again because <laughs> if I'm making a million dollars a year, how am I supposed to yell at the defenseman who's making $3 million a year? And yeah. he's, he's going to listen to me. And, and trust me, 1,000%, I feel you on that because it changed for me. I'm a hey, – 
when I was, you know, on that that rookie salary, that that puppy child, what we used to call it, the rookie salary, the puppy child. I was on that. Coaches talked to me a little bit different, and I responded a little bit different. <laughs> when I got that grown man meal, I said, "Oh, my eyes are open now, big fella." <laughs> they're gonna get rid of first. <laughs> me or you? It's me or you. Who, who, who you think they're gonna get rid of when this guarantee money hit player? <laughs> talk, talk to me like that. You want to? <laughs> <laughs> The, uh, another thing that I wanted to get your thoughts on, Motsi, uh, asked about Ben Roethlisberger uh, seeing him throw on Monday and Tuesday. Mike Tomlin was asked, what did you see and what are your thoughts and evaluation of him? Uh, Mike Tomlin said, I am extremely comfortable with where he is in the process. That's the good news. Uh, his velocity is excellent. His spiral could be a little tighter. Now, mm, now, 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 I'm not going to do this thing right where I context, okay? I could stop right there and set it up for the drama. Oh, say, wait Mike a Tomlin minute. said, I've seen it tighter, but nothing to alarm you in any way. Okay. So full context. Okay. But I is, like that a lot better. I was that, about to is, say, wait a minute. Is that a little red flag, or is maybe that's something that's still, while he's still obviously ongoing with that rehab process, is that maybe something we should expect? Man, listen, that's Coach T trying to get us gassed up over here, <laughs> and he know Ben going to see this, trying to get Ben to think, all right, I got to make this spiral tight. I got to be good about it. But – with Coach Tomlin, we talked about this before, and I've said it numerous times. He's the ultimate motivator. He's the guy that's going to always find a way, regardless of where you're at in your career, regardless of how much success you've had, regardless of how much money you've made. He's going to find a way to motivate you. He's going to find a way to get you focused on the right things and to not allow you to become complacent. So him saying that, I'm, I can assure you he said that to Ben as well before he even got released to the media because he wants to let him know that, hey, you might think that this is good. You might think that this is acceptable, but no, I'm going to push you. And it doesn't matter how successful you've been. He's going to make sure. It, and this is the thing, too. When I say he's going to push you, don't think in the context of, oh, he's going to yell at Ben right. and, and call him well, on front of the doing? team. You yeah. Need to be better. yeah, Because, I mean, we've heard, like, with Belichick, how they say he's done that with Brady before, and some coaches do do that. But with Coach Tomlin, that's not his approach with certain players. And I've been in rooms, like I said, when he's critiqued Ben. And it's a different style of critiquing, but he makes sure that it's effective. And the person that he's critiquing, when we're talking about seven in this regard – he understands what he's saying, and then from there, he goes out there and executes it and elevates his play. So everybody on this team, when it comes to Coach Tomlin, has their personal dynamic, and that's why everybody has typically enjoyed playing with Coach Tomlin because of that, because of his ability to motivate, to push you, to get you to go a little bit further than you think you could go yeah. or more than you think is acceptable. It's a great call by you, and you would know, right? I mean, you've been there. Yeah, I'm man. For, for, think, trust me, better or worse, there's been some times I don't walk out that meeting room like, oh, I can't wait till I get to practice, but I'm finna knock somebody out. <laughs> Co Coach got one more time. <laughs> but I think that's good, right? Like, you know this, a part of any good leadership structure in any business, right, but particularly one where it's so results-based oriented like professional sports, like the National Football League is – You've got to know different ways to push certain guys' buttons, right? Some guys need that rah-rah, get in your face, what the bleep is a matter with you. Other guys sometimes, right, it's it's maybe just a little comment or two, ah, well, you know, it could be a little bit better here, and they know that you'll hear that, and that'll be enough to get you going. Other guys, right, maybe the Troy Palomalu types, it's, it's sometimes it's just a simple conversation. It doesn't have to be much more than that. Is that one of the things that... Maybe Mike Tomlin, you know, he knows what he's doing with certain guys that he's got to get on him. And then other guys like Ben, maybe it's just one or two things he's got to say and he knows the quarterback will hear it and that'll be enough. Yeah, without a doubt. But then there are some times, I mean, where he knows, okay, 
I'm intentionally going to step on your toes and push your buttons to the to the up level. But I'm doing it for a reason. Yeah. And I've been a victim of that as well, man. I've seen two and I've seen Cam Hill be victims of that. It's not fun at all. But it's highly effective. It's highly effective. And it's like I said, during those times, that's when you're kind of like, can't you give me the Big Ben treatment? Just talk to me. Like, why you got to call me out like this? Why you got to come up? Why you got to make me take my hoodie off the day? Like, why, this what you on right now? But like I said, he gets the job done. And that's why he is who he is. Arthur Motes, we have passed the deadline for the opt-out phase. That was at 4 o'clock. We are now past it. 65 players in the National Football League opting out officially. No Pittsburgh Steelers. Woo! No Pittsburgh Steelers on the opt-out list, Motesy. Full speed ahead. I like it, man. And, I like it. And, uh, you know, and your buddy, Tredavis White, he's in He's after in, opt out man. talk, that would have been a uh, backbreaker. That would have been one of the most significant opt outs, oh, no certainly. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, with them already lose, losing star Lola Lily, Layla, star star Layla, Lily, Lily, So sixty five players opt out. Did you expect that number to be higher, lower, that right about where you think it? What, were, what would you have guessed, right, like two, three weeks ago, what the number would have been? Funny thing is, two or three weeks ago, I thought it would have been drastically lower. Yeah. Because at the time, everybody was just so gung-ho to get back. And at the time, there wasn't an opt-out clause. So mm. I thought That's that true. because there wasn't an opt-out clause, that literally everybody would be like, you know what, I want to play. I'm not even going to worry about opting out. And then when they did put the clause in, I still didn't think – anybody of significance i figured okay some of the younger players some of the bubble roster guys but then we talked about even with that whole money situation how it's a catch-22 if you're not considered high risk but you know 65 players opting out is good for them in terms of them taking a stand and saying that hey if i don't feel comfortable or if i'm in a high-risk situation or if i just don't want to take this uh this chance this year I totally respect that because that's not an easy thing to do. And a lot of times, man, you're criticized for it. Tredavious White, we're talking about him. I mean, he went on his social media and put out a statement about that because of some of the backlash that he was receiving just for considering. And he talked about how his uh, his girlfriend's uh, father or girlfriend's grandfather had passed away due to COVID as well. So that was really, you know, weighing heavy on him in terms of his decision-making process. So, I mean, with those guys, man, you totally have to respect it. It is good to see, like I said, the guys that chose to opt out. But at the same time, it's good to see the guys that chose to play. And I do like the fact the NFL left that little bit of a caveat in there. We talked about the other day, whereas if they become high risk or if their situation changes, they will have the luxury of being right. able to opt out later on. So I think that's a good thing. And, and I mean, from my understanding, all sides are winning right now. I think so, too. I think it's about, you know, what – to expect at this point I guess you know if you do the numbers 65 people right that's about two guys on each team that's not a crazy high number that's a manageable number I'm with you though I would have probably guessed maybe around 40 45 but that's not that far yeah. off it's not like it's some massive triple digit number Arthur Motes Wesley Euler halfway home it's the Steelers blitz here in our new time slot three to six a reminder for those of you that we might have picked up in the last four days welcome Welcome. You know, normally we're rocking from noon to two. We got the bonus hour three to six for the month of August. And I just want to let you in know uh, we also have a podcast. We do, don't the we? The show gets uploaded commercial free in podcast form on demand every single day. Wherever you get your podcasts, 
Just search Steelers Blitz with a Z, Motsi. So you know if people, hey, it's a three-hour show now. It's a long show. It is long. I get it. You got jobs, you can work, you got kids, family. Oh, jobs? Your job is to listen to us. Well, you know, if for sometimes, you know, in three hours, there might be interruptions. I mean, you're a family man. You know it. Sometimes no, your kids, no, no. Sometimes your kids, they just do something that no. takes your attention away. Not you know? at all. If we're on, there is nothing that matters. Tell your kids if you cry, hey, what's the commercial? Get a Band-Aid, but I'm bleeding. Get, Get two. two. <laughs> yeah, that, that's where we are right now, all right? When we are on the air from 3 to 6, nothing else matters. You don't eat. You don't sleep. You don't turn the television. You don't talk to your wife. You don't talk to your husband. You don't talk to your children. You talk to us only through social media or you get the doll on the, the lucky hotline. Other than that, yeah, I don't want to hear it. Should we try the lucky hotline right now? Give them the lucky hotline, man. I'm tired. I'm tired of teasing it, man. All you right. want a chance, here's your chance. You want a chance to talk to Euler Emotes to be our first Steelers Blitz guest in a long time. First training camp guest of 2020. First training camp guest of 2020, other than Brian Backo, but he's not a guest. He's a good friend. No, no, no. Yeah, we're, we're talking about, like, guest. Guest. Yeah. Guest. You know, roll you know, out we'll, the red we'll carpet. We'll invite you in. You take your shoes off. We'll have a nice dinner, you know. Yeah. Just, I don't know. You, they need to take their shoes off? I guess not. You can wear your shoes in the house just as long as they're... They're Whoa. nice shoes. I was to say, what type of shoes are you talking about? Just as long as they're not like, you know, these are my grass-cutting shoes. As long as it's checks over stripes, we good. <laughs> I'm picking up what you put down there. <laughs> All right, here it is, folks. We will take one caller to open the next segment. Mm-hmm. First person to dial in at this number gets it. All right, I'm going to give this number, and I'm going to go right to break because i got to answer the phone. 412-919-8387. Once again, if you want to talk to Euler Emotes right now, dial 412-919-8387. We'll see if any of you guys bite. All right, I casted the line out. We'll see if anybody bites. It's Euler Emotes on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler back on the Blitz and Motesy we asked and the people delivered. Shout out to the power grid, man. I mean, that was quick. And, you know, I, I guess we should have expected it, right? They've been asking us for half a year when we were going to get the phone lines back up and running. Uh, we don't still have a ton of open lines, but we found a way to get one working, Arthur Motes. So we got our first caller of training camp. Let's go to the phone lines here. We've got Nick on the line. Nick, what's happening? Holler at us. Not too much. I'm excited to be on the show. Hey, thanks. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're great, man. We're much better now that we got somebody on the line. I mean, you know, we like each other, but it's always fun talking to somebody else, too. <laughs> Absolutely. And, Nick, I must say, man, your timing was impeccable, man. I, I just I, I want to commend you for that. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm on a run right now, so I just figured I'd uh, call in while I'm listening to you guys. Nice. We love it, man. What you got for us? Uh, I just had a few questions for you guys about the uh, the running back room. Sure. Uh, I was just wondering with uh, James Conner's contract uh, being up and the Steelers passing on uh, Jonathan Taylor in the draft and acquiring um, Anthony McFarlane, do you guys think that they will uh, get rid of Conner after this year? And do you think um, McFarlane is a possible successor? Or do you think it's Benny Snell, or do you think they'll have to look elsewhere, possibly in free agency or in the draft? Yeah, man, that's a really good question. Uh, when it comes to James Conner and then being able to retain him next year, it's a very unique situation for him, almost like a catch-22. I see the only scenario where he's able to return 
under a, a contract because if he has another down year because then they'll be able to afford him because you have to think about the other guys that are coming up for contracts with Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, Juju Smith-Schuster as well. Now, if James comes out and has a crazy year, a Pro Bowl caliber year like we've seen from him in the past, I think he prices himself out hmm. of what the Steelers are going to be able to to pay him because of some of those other guys that I named. So I honestly don't see a scenario that's best for him with him being up here next year. Now, in terms of McFarlane being the successor, right now I'm anticipating McFarlane being more of your change of pace back, your third down back just because of the speed that he plays with, his catching ability. But I don't know necessarily if either him or Benny Snell will be ready to be the guy come next year because if everything goes right for James Conner this year, they're not going to see that many opportunities either. Right. Nick, let me ask you this, because you mentioned Jonathan Taylor there. Do you, if you're Kevin Colbert, right, if you're running the Steelers show, would you have gone running back instead of Chase Claypool? I believe I would have went with running back just because uh, given Connor's uh, contract coming up. And uh, I just thought that Jonathan Taylor was kind of that like hidden gem that I think there was a lot of noise around him, hmm. and I thought that they could have, Passed on Claypool, found somebody else the following year, given their history with drafting wide receivers and finding those hidden gems in free agency. That's a good call. I mean, there were a lot of people that would agree with you, yeah. Nick, that this was, you know, a strong running back class and the wide receivers were a little bit deeper. Uh, but we'll see. I don't think any of us are hating the addition of Chase, Chase Claypool, but we will certainly, I'm sure, be keeping an eye on some of those running backs. Nick, we appreciate the call. Before I get you out of here, Record prediction for the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. Uh-oh, what you got? Drum roll. Mm. I think they're going to have an 11-win season. I Ooh, like okay. it. I like it. Nick, we appreciate the call, buddy. Call back anytime. Hopefully we'll have operating full phone lines here once <laughs> yes, the season gets indeed. going. But that was great. Great stuff from Nick there. Some running back questions. Yeah, we haven't talked. I mean, we talked a little bit about James Conner earlier in the show. Uh, but that was the start of it. And, yeah, you're right. You know, I hadn't really thought about it that way, Motsi, where if James Conner has the season – that we all hope he has, that we all know he can have if he stays healthy, great. But the, de- I mean, it'll be much better for the Steelers on the football field in 2020. But the downside of that is uh, two parts is that one, you're right, he would probably price himself out of Pittsburgh. And two, we would get very limited spend, spin to see Benny Snell and Anthony McFarlane and what they're capable of. Yeah, that's the whole catch 22 yeah. element of it. I mean, when we, because when we talk about the pecking order of, who you want to pay, how do you prioritize that? We're talking about Cam Hayward right now, and we're seeing how this is probably going to go on through training camp with the hopes of them getting the deal done. But if they don't, that's another big name that has to be taken care of Mm -hmm. next offseason. We know T.J. Watt is going to be priority number one come next offseason. And then from there, you know Juju, regardless of how this year goes for him, will be priority number two in terms of them retaining him for a substantial contract or a more team-friendly contract if he has another down year. So when you have those two guys that are going to take up a large sum of money, along with Ben's cap situation, regardless of if they extend him, restructure him, whatever they do with him, now you're trying to get James at a very, very discounted rate. Yeah. So if you're James, the only way you're taking that discounted rate is if you had another down year and you're just bent on staying in Pittsburgh. But if you have a successful year, if you have a Pro Bowl caliber year, if you have an all-pro caliber year, you're going to want to be compensated accordingly. And the Steelers just financially aren't going to be able to do that, especially with the cap estimated to be what it is right now. 
I mean, because remember, they said that, hey, it could potentially be going down because of the lack of revenue, because of everything that's transpired this year. Sure. So that could negatively affect James Conner when we're talking about him getting the compensation that he mm-hmm. would deserve if he has one of those type of seasons. It's not the best off season to be a pending free agent with the with the salary cap going down and all the, the COVID slashing of revenues. And that's for sure. Good call there by you, Motsi. Nick, you know, it just felt good. It I mean, it did. felt good to have a caller once again. I mean, it, it, really it felt did. good to have a conversation with somebody other than you <laughs> and Batco. No offense to you. Hey, not, not offense to Batco. None to you either. <laughs> full, full offense to that Brian Batco. Um, Thrash says here, I tried calling in three times. It rang and rang, but then it would give me a message saying that I couldn't call the number. Listen, Thrash, it's like the progressive commercial, you know? You got to be quicker than that. Yeah, man, I tell you, man, we we taking it back to like the early two thousands where you got to call, you got to be the number five caller, but you got to be the number one caller because that's the only line hey, that we have. No question, and man. And I can only answer the phone while we're in break. So I mean, even if you called in now, there's no point. I can't take a phone call yeah. while we're in the middle of a segment. But don't worry, Thrash. You know what, Mozi? That's the secret, man. Just call when we go to commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Floodgates have been opened. Uh oh. Uh oh. Peeling the curtain back a little bit. Yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll take another uh, call coming out of break or, or, or two here going forward. All right, I'll give that number one more time in the last hour of the show. Great stuff there from Nick. Uh, we do have some interesting tweets here though, Motsi. And I know we normally save these for the end of the show, but we've gotten a bunch of them today, so I want to make sure you know we get to them. And, and they got... definitely pertain to some of the stuff we've been talking about as well. They do. Um, like uh, Brandon Brandon Boatman says here. B boat says. I've always liked Edmonds as a player, but I feel like uh, he may have been struggling a bit for the inconsistency at the position next to him. Now he has that with Minka. Do you think this will boost his play? Yeah, absolutely. I think having Minka next to him, number one, takes a huge burden off of Edmonds' plate in terms of him not having to worry about being the post player. He's able to predominantly play in the box where he excels. But then also, man, when you're playing next to a guy like Minka, as I talked about earlier – with Vance and Ebron, when you're next to somebody that is really, really good, I mean, flirting with greatness, you're going to you're gonna feed off of that energy. You're going to push each other. You're ultimately going to try to find ways to learn from each other. And I think with Edmonds, man, we talk about him and his coverage and some of the, some of the things that it leaves you desiring more of. Well, he's going to be able to have some conversations with Mika to say, hey, man, when this ball's in the air, man, what are you looking at? Which angle are you? Are you – coming at the 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 downfield angle I mean the downfield shoulder you going at the upfield shoulder are you playing through the hands or are you looking at his eyes like what are the t- what are the telltale signs what are the little details that let you know when to do this or how to do that along with them being able to watch film together so I think all of those things all of those things that Mika brings to the table are going to help out Terrell Edmonds immensely I think so too I, I think he's really poised. I mean, he was your pick for the the uh, the breakout season. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I think he's poised to have a uh, to to have a great season for the Steelers. Uh, speaking of which, Steelers four eighty asks, and that was right. We figured that out. Phoenix, right? Four eighty mm-hmm. area code in Phoenix, I believe. I don't know, we, we looked into this the other day. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's for, Steelers four eighty. He's Steelers in Arizona because you know that's where. Listen, if you're not man, in Pittsburgh, just, you're in Arizona. Just roll with it. All right, just roll with it. I'm he, with you. His Twitter name too. His handle is Shutter McGavin. Ooh. I kind of like that. I like that. Which Steeler, past or present, do you think would have been a great professional athlete at a second sport and what sport? He says two examples, James Harrison in the strongman competition and Arthur Motes in bodybuilding. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. I like what you're doing here. Oh, Chase Claypool, pretty good basketball player. 
Ben Roethlisberger, pretty good golfer. Hey, you consider video games a sport? Because, I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster, pretty yeah. good at video games. Uh, Craig Wolfley, didn't he finish, like, second or third in the Ironman competition in the I 80s? I believe so, yeah. Wolf, I think so. Uh, I think for me, man, I would go Zach Banner basketball. You know, he initially Ooh, went to USC on good, a basketball scholarship. A good call. Yeah, so that I'm probably going with him, man. And he reminds me of Shaq just because of like the big body mm-hmm. athlete that he is, man. That's a, a a a lot of body to deal with on the court, and he has a soft touch. So in terms of his hooping ability, yeah, I'm, I'm going with Zach, man. I think that's a good call by you. I'm trying to think like there has to be some Steelers. At least, definitely in the past, that like yeah. played baseball in college too, or played. Well, basketball. you know who else? I would probably go Antoine Randall. I think he's another there guy. There we go. That's yeah. a great one. Because a lot of times when we talk about mm-hmm. hoopers, uh, an NFL athlete might have the skill, but he lacks the size. Whereas with Banner, we talked about he has the size to go out there and be a big in the NBA, but. With a guy like Antoine Randall, who I mean, he played under Bobby Knight. What are we talking about yeah, here? Like, that's true. Just, just put that in context here. Yeah. All right, the demands of playing for Bobby Knight. Yeah, yeah. So if you could play for Bobby, you can play for anybody. All right. So that's why for me, man, I'll probably go Randall as my my pass uh, guy. That's a re- that's a good call. I knew there was somebody that we were forgetting. That's a really good call. Cordell Stewart too, baby. I mean, Slash. Yeah, that, that's a good question there by Steelers four eighty. I like those kind of questions. All right, two hours in the books. Another hour to go. Final hour of the show. We got three question Thursday. We've got to do our uh, floor and ceiling for another division, and we will get to your tweets as well. Should I give the number one more time? You might as well do it. You know you want to. Or should we just make it the people that still have the number from the first time? No, 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 because it's the first day we gave it out. It's true. It's the first day. And Devin just tweeted and said, phones, Bueller, Bueller. Yo. All right. Might as well drop one more time, give people a chance. 412-919-8387. 412-919-8387. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. This is the Steelers Blitz on SNR. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Hour inside the electric factory. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. Hour number three. Steelers Blitz on SNR and the phone line. <laughs> Singular. The phone line. Not 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 an S on this. <laughs> Continues to blow up. Arthur Motes. We go to our buddy in Denver, Devin, the human flamethrower. Devin, holla at you boys. What up, fellas? What's hey. the word? Man, long time yeah, no talk to, you. man. I know, long time no see. Shoot, with this with this COVID situation, I may be able to go to a home game finally. <laughs> he's got the out. he's got the antibodies. <laughs> there it is. Yep, yep. I, and I ain't even leaving living all that healthy, but somehow I got the antibodies. So, <laughs> I mean, home games and away games, off to the six foot social distance, as long as I can get to a game. There it is. Uh, you could be the future, Devin. They could be you know they could be cloning you and you're getting your plasma and your blood to save the world one of these days. Yeah, I hope I get, get kidnapped or not some nonsense. <laughs> get, get sent to Kentucky or Wuhan. But anyway. What you got for <laughs> us, partner? I saw I saw you yeah. tweeting that the Steelers are going 16-0 and this year. Is that your for real prediction? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, no jokes. I don't, I don't joke about predictions. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But the, the thing about it is we're playing, like, some of the worst defenses. Our schedule is one of the easiest schedules. Ben is back. We got too many offensive weapons. We're like the Chiefs with offensive weapons now. Now, I mean, we took Claypool. To, I mean, it is what it is. That's what we took. 
I would have rather had an offensive lineman since uh, Ragu retired anyway. I would have rather had an offensive lineman, but I don't know what the value was. But there's one thing you know about the Steelers. When they pick a receiver, you can catch it. You take that receiver to the bank. Yep. So I don't know who this bad news for. Is this bad news for Juju or James or Deontay? But Chase is going to see that field at 6'4". And then we still got to worry about bulked up little little muscle mighty mouse switcher too. So <laughs> I, see the offense, I see the offense being unstoppable, hopefully. And with, uh, you know, our nemesis now in Tampa, I, I see the <laughs> AFC Championship game, baby. I don't, I don't see I don't see nothing less but AFC Championship game. But then again, that's what I always predict. But, Devin, you know, how I, I do. Devin, are you excited that, you know, we saw the Steelers be so dominant on defense last year, and that was with them rarely playing with a lead in the fourth quarter. Imagine what that unit could be, right? If they're up nine points late in the fourth quarter, the other team's got a pass, right? And Minka and Joe Hayden and Steven Nelson and Edmonds can sit back there and play defense. While, you know, while T.J. Watt and Dupree and Cam Hayward and Stephon Tewitt and all those guys get to pin their ears back and go after the quarterback, uh, the offense and the defense could really complement each other nicely this year. Right, yeah. So those enemies in D.C., they uh, they had the lead a lot of the time so they could just pin their ears back. But uh, we got the offense to play with the lead, no lead, come back. As long as Ben is at the helm, we ain't got no problems, man. We ain't got no problems at all. Oh, I like I see, that. I see, I, see, I, see, I see 99 wins and – and the lost ain't won, baby. <laughs> hey, now, no, talk to me quick, Dad. <laughs> no, oh, he's going off, man. He's playing Thor, man. He's got to do his late, his mic drop. Come on. What were you going to ask him? And I was going to ask him, who, which player was he most uh, looking forward to seeing this year outside of Ben? But he's gone now, man. So maybe next time. That's maybe right. next time. He can also tweet us. At Wesley Euler at the body 52. The body. Everybody can tweet us. But Arthur Motes, let's get into uh, our, our uh, daily, you know, this is what we're going to do for the next few days here. Ceiling and floor for each division, all right? We did the AFC North, of course, the Steelers division yesterday. Let's go to yo boys in mm-hmm. the AFC East. Good news for the Buffalo Bills in this past uh, hour or two, Arthur Motes. Tredavis White is playing. Huge. So before we give uh, record ceiling and floor predictions for each of these teams, uh, I think it's safe to say, you can tell me if I'm wrong, that with all of the Patriots' opt-outs and with Tredavis White staying put, uh I think the Bills are the favorites, like not by a long shot, but the clear-cut favorites in the AFC East once again. Yes, absolutely. Um, Once Tom Brady decided to take his talents to Tampa Bay, a lot changed in terms of the expectations for the Buffalo Bills, in terms of their outlook on the division. And then after the draft as well, man, with them uh, being able to pick up uh, the edge rusher, A.J. Epin- uh, I think it's Epinesa. Epinesa. Make yep. sure I say that right. Yeah, but man, hey, when you look hey, at real that. real quick. That's a, great, that's a great sports name. Uh, I see, mean, I need, A.J. You know Epinesa. No, no, no. Zach Moss, running back. That's a great name. Simple it to is. say. Can't mess it up. So is A.J. Epinesa. <laughs> so, man, I think, you know, with them guys – that they were able to acquire. And then that's not even accounting for Stephon Diggs. They traded for yeah. prior to the draft and things yeah. like that. All of those point to this, uh, to the Buffalo Bills being the favorites to win the AFC East. And I will say, I think it's a one or two game margin right now, just because who is your legit number two contender prior to the opt-outs, we would say the Patriots, sure. especially when Cam Newton signed there. But when you see the amount of, quality players that they've lost on offense and defense due to opt-outs. It's a lot of good players. I just don't see them being able to replace yeah. all of those guys, and especially in this time frame either. It's not like they can just bring a bunch right. of guys in to work and, them and out. And it's not like this happened in March. 
This right, is, I right. mean, a couple weeks before the season starts. A month away from the season. So th- this can be very detrimental to them. Now, we know the Dolphins on paper, they've definitely done a lot in terms of revamping their uh, their team as a whole from mm-hmm. a personnel and talent standpoint. But once again, this is a similar situation to what they had last year where what from final cuts of uh, training camp to the, the starting uh, was it starting game week one, just that week period, seven-day period, they had 11 new – no, no, 22 new players on that team that had not been there at all throughout I the offseason. crazy. So when you look at what they're going through again this year via draft, via trade, via free agency, it's the exact same scenario. They don't have a lot of guys who've been in that organization, who've been under Brian Flores. So even with them, there are a lot of question marks still. And then with the Jets – now, offensively, the Jets have upgraded, but defensively, they took a major hit, losing Jamal Adams through trade and ultimately C.J. Mosley opting out. So as it stands today, the Bills definitely are the favorite. By, I would, I, I'm leaning towards two games instead of one game, honestly. Yeah. I think so. I'm with you there, too, because there was some, you know, okay, hey, here come the Patriots again when Cam Newton signed. But, man, all those bodies they've lost, that's, that's tough. Uh, again, especially in a time like this where you can't necessarily get a look at a lot of guys. All right, Arthur Motes. Ceiling and floor record for the Buffalo Bills, 10-6 and six last year. That kind of heartbreaking defeat in overtime to the Texans in the wild card round. If they were 10-6 and six last year, and I think they can get better, certainly, I'll go ceiling record 12-4. and four. I'll go floor record, man. I can't see them being much worse, even worst-case scenario type season than 9-7. and seven. Honestly, I agree with you. Spot on. 12-win team is best-case scenario because you got to think last year – they dropped the, the first game to the Patriots where they were, uh, I think it was a one-score game. Josh Allen ends up getting hurt. Mm-hmm. And they still, you know, even when they lost, it was still an extremely competitive uh, match and things like that. You talk about that game, that stands out. Also, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles game, yeah. the rain game that they had yeah. in Buffalo where the guys just, I don't know if they weren't inspired or whatever it may be. Uh, you think about the Cleveland Browns game where they lose because their field goal kicker misses a, a 30-yard chip shot field goal. Yeah. I could easily see a 12-win a twelve win season for them because that was realistic for them last year, honestly. And like you said, worst-case scenario, they're still going to be a 9-win team just based off of the division and the teams that they're playing and how talented they are offensively and defensively. This is a, a roster that is, I mean, when we go position for position offensively and defensively, there are not a lot of teams that match up with them right? in terms of player-for-player player personnel-wise. And now that they have a, a coach at the helm who understands – that organization, he's understanding how to be successful, and he, those guys have bought into the coach with Sean McDermott. I think that they can be a really, really uh, intriguing team this year, going into the playoffs and stuff like that. I think so too. They're, they're definitely one of the teams to watch in the AFC. All right, let's go to those New England Patriots, Motsi. Yo, boys. There's not much of a gap there. Like, the, like the ceiling isn't very high for me, but the floor isn't very low either, right? Because despite everything we just talked about, I, I still think, right, like. I don't see a Bill Belichick team go trotting out there and going thirteen and, or three and thirteen. I, I right, I just don't see that happening for the Patriots. You, I don't know. You could tell me if I'm wrong because they have lost a lot of bodies. But I still, I mean, I feel like they're going to win seven games. Yeah, eight, I, eight and eight. I was going to say my floor for them would probably be six and ten, mm-hmm. ceiling nine and seven. Yeah, I mean I, it's it's not much of a gap there. 
Yeah, I agree. Before the season started, before these opt-outs, I thought it would be a 10-win team yep. just based on their defense, based on Belichick, and then obviously when you bring in a Cam Newton. Mm -hmm. But now with the amount of people that they've <sighs> lost offensively and defensively, that's going to be a very challenging that's situation. Three of the four guys that they're paying the most money to on that roster Absolutely. right now. Absolutely. So that that's a very trying situation. So I see him. I, I don't. I want to say six and ten floor, but out of respect for Belichick, I'm going seven and nine. I, I don't see him having anything worse than that. I honestly think they're going to be eight and eighteen. Yeah. And, and that's more so kudos to the coaching staff than the actual personnel right now. Yeah. As I mean, similar to what we saw with Coach Tomlin last year. Right, right. Like, I think it's going to be that type of situation. They'll, except They'll the, squeeze all the juice possible right. out of that roster. Absolutely. It's going to be that type of scenario. And and you have to remember this. With the, the Patriots, traditionally, they've been an extremely well-coached team. They never beat themselves, regardless of the players they put out there. So that's going to get you out of a couple of close games, a couple of stadiums, just on that alone. Sure. And Somebody else is going to mess up. Right. And, and they they don't turn the ball over a lot. They force a lot of turnovers. They just do their job. So with that being the case, I, I don't I don't see them. Yeah, worst case seven and nine, more than likely eight and eight. Best case, absolute best case scenario is nine to seven. Yeah, I think I think I'm with you on that one too. There's we've talked about some of these teams where we could see man, we could see them winning ten, eleven games. We could see them winning five or six games. I think the Patriots are the opposite of that. It's right in that seven, eight, yeah. nine win sweet spot. The New Jersey, I mean the New York Jets, mm -hmm. Arthur Motes. This is another one that, you know, if we would have said, we would have talked about the Jets two weeks ago, you know, we, three weeks ago, we might have had some some more optimistic tone. Uh, but no C.J. Mosley. He's opting out. Jamal Adams has been traded. I mean, the floor for this team is pretty low. Five wins. I mean, that wouldn't shock me. With the opt-outs on defense, with the uh, head coach that you and I, we don't think, you know, he's a putz, but we don't necessarily believe in him either. He has very intense eyes, though. He does have very intense eyes, and I don't necessarily mean that in a good way. Ceiling eight and eight. I mean, they had a lot of shortcomings. Mm. They had a lot of shortcomings last year, right? And they were still able to win what, like five of their last eight games? Yeah. But you and I have also talked about how sometimes too that can be fool's gold, right? Just because a team gets hot at the end of one season doesn't necessarily mean they're going to roll it into the next year. <sighs> Ceiling now. Out see, I thought you were the guy that was big on Sam Darnold. I am. But I'm not big on that defense <laughs> at all. So this, I thought you, I thought you believed in these guys. I mean, I think saying that they could go eight and eight is some belief. I'll go ceiling eight and eight, floor. I'll go five and eleven. Hmm. So this is my thing. I'm I'm trying to weigh the full impact of Jamal Adams being gone. Because, remember, last year they only had C.J. Mosley for two of those games. So they already should be prepared for his Life absence. without him. But I don't know how that secondary is going to look minus Jamal Adams because he did a lot for them. Very productive player, all-pro player for a reason. You don't just replace that. And especially in this type of, uh, this type of scenario going into the season. So that's my biggest concern with them. I think best case, though, they could still be a nine-win team. I think that's absolute best case scenario because I could see them in a similar vein as the Patriots. Now, the difference is the coaching element of it, whereas, like, I still necessarily wouldn't be surprised if we saw the Patriots somehow, some way get ten wins. 
Would that really surprise us? No, because we know how Belichick is and how he operates, sure. and he finds everything to make them successful. Any possible advantage. Whereas I don't necessarily see that or believe that with Gase. I just think that there could be a scenario where that offense with Sam Darnold, with L. Bell, with some of the new additions that they got through the draft, that they can just find a way to just get a couple gritty wins out of it. Yeah. Just no, I can see Not it. pretty, just – Oh, all right. They found a way. Pretty, oh, not pretty. Oh man, they found a way, and then you sit up looking like, "Whoa, wow! They got seven wins right now, eight wins right now, one game away." Type situation. So I could see something like that. Honestly, hmm. worst case, they could be a five-win team without a doubt. Yeah, and that would not surprise me either. No, would not at all. The wheels could fall off rather quickly. Yeah, and I'd be like, "Yep, that's expected." <laughs> uh, tanking for Tua is over. They got him, and I think they got the right coach too, and Brian Flores. I like him a lot. The fish. The Finns. Ace Ventura's team. Yeah. The Miami Dolphins. Laces out, Dan. <laughs> Why do you care about Snowflake? Do you know him? <laughs> Does he call you a Tom? Does he? Is the Dolphin going, adah, adah. and then you're going, adah, adah. <laughs> the Dolphins are an intriguing one, Motsi. Uh, what's going to happen with Tua, right? I think we both probably anticipate uh, Ryan Fitzmadrick. Uh, the Conor McGregor of the NFL, uh, starting week one. But what could happen with Tua? How long could it be before he takes over? Could it be sooner? Could it be later? Is that a definite? I don't know. There's a lot of question marks around this team, but I think they got better on defense. I think the offensive line got a little bit better. Um, and like I said, I, I think Brian Flores is the right guy down there. Even last year, right, when they were supposedly tanking, he never lost that team. Hmm. Say it, say it, say it. Floor, I'll go six and ten. Ceiling, I'll go nine and seven. Hmm. So a little bit, I give them a little bit more positive outlook on the Jets, or than the Jets, just because I think they've got more power on defense. I certainly believe in the head coach more. And and I, I think whatever they have going on at quarterback will be enough for them to stay in games or, or obviously win games. Oh, man. So Worst yeah, so case scenario. Nine, I said 9-7, and seven, uh, 6 and 10. Yeah. I think for me, 5-11, and 11, worst case. I hate to say it, I think best case scenario is 7-9 and nine for them, though, yeah. man. I just, Maybe I am giving them a little the, too much yeah, credit. Well, the thing is this, man. I understand how hard it is from a continuity standpoint. I was on some very talented rosters in Buffalo, but we just didn't have the continuity. We weren't a tight-knit group, and it affected us at numerous stages of a season. And that was under a normal all-season where we were preaching, right. hey, we got to be a close group. We got to hang out. Right. We got to do this. You don't even have that luxury. That's that's my biggest concern. And the thing is this is not like Flores has been there for numerous years, right. a la Coach Tomlin, where, hey – even though we haven't had the all season together, you know what's expected of me. You know this coach's style. You know what he likes. You know his thought process. Mm -hmm. You know some of the causes, tendencies, and things like that. With Flores, those guys are still learning them. Think about that, man. A lot of the guys that are on the roster right now that yeah. got acquired last year, they didn't spend an offseason with him. Yeah. They spent the, a season with him where it was, oh, the first half of the year we're tanking. Don't worry about it. We just got 60 put on us by the Ravens. <laughs> and then it was, oh, we're actually winning some games here. All right, put Josh Rosen in instead. You know, like, so when you factor in those type of scenarios with the Miami Dolphins, I, I just don't see a situation where they're going to have more than seven wins. I think that's best-case scenario for them. I think we'll see a, a drastically – 
improved Miami Dolphins. I think we'll see a highly competitive Miami Dolphins. They'll be in most of the games. That Correct. They play. Yeah. I just don't see a scenario where they're going to be winning these games. I think they're still a year or two away from that. I, I think back to the games will be a lot like how when the Dolphins played the Steelers, whether they get a lead early because of a turnover or whatever it may be, but then in the second half of games, you could just tell they don't have enough to keep up or they aren't all, they're not all on the same page. They're not functioning the same way to be successful in these games like that. And I think that's going to be their Achilles heel this year. Yeah, it's a good call by you. I bet you they'll have a lot of like frustrating losses for Absolutely. the fan base. You know what I mean? Those growing pain type losses. And, and it happens. I, like I said, I, I talk about my time in Buffalo all the time where we had a season where we started out 0-8, but literally three of those games were lost in overtime. And then the other, we had three more games that were one-score games. We had two games that, okay – we legit got beat like it was a two-score game mm. but other than that it was extremely close nail buyers because we lacked the execution we lacked that continuity even though we had talent we had talent on offense and defense we just didn't have enough of the little things that that you can't really put a a, a, sure. a, a, a true value on you just know that it gets you out of stadiums so yeah I, I see a similar situation happening with the Dolphins honestly so there it is. That's our uh, our scouting report for the AFC East, if you will. Our floor and ceiling. We're going to go AFC West tomorrow? AFC South? Gotta Where are we going? South. Let's go to the South. I'm a South guy. You are a South guy. and I mean, I haven't been out West since 2012. So yeah, let's go to the when South. When the last time I was out West? Oh, last year, my bad. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You went to the Bay for the Niners game last year, didn't you? And I went to AZ and we got you the tailgate. Oh, wait, I'm a liar, actually. I said 2012. That's a lie. Because mm-hmm. I went real west in 2017. I was in Hawaii. That's west-west. I, I, I don't want to talk about Hawaii. You west coast? I'm far west coast. I don't want to talk about Hawaii. I uh, know. You were supposed to be there, what, last week or two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. Ooh. I was supposed to be having a tan. Ooh. I feel some type of way. If it makes you feel any better, this past week, wifey and I, you know, we were supposed to, for our 30th birthdays in March, we are supposed to go to Europe for 10 days. We officially got that refund this past week. Wow. So our big trip that we had planned getting canceled, too, because of all this Rona. You know what else got canceled because of all this Rona, Motsi? What? You know what tonight would be? You know what we'd be getting ready for here in, like, two hours? Oh, yeah, it would be football. Steelers-Cowboys. Yeah. Canton. Mm-hmm. Ohio. Hall mm-hmm. of Fame game. My franchise against your franchise. Wait, what happened? Whoa, whoa, whoa. See, I'd already been out there <laughs> celebrating with my man TP. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it wouldn't have been my franchise, your friend. It would have been, I'm <laughs> black friend. and gold. Yeah, yeah. My friend getting in versus whoever you want to root for. All right? Mozi, you and I would have been, I mean, we'd be out there. We would have probably done a show this morning. Then right now, you know, we'd be sipping back some cold beverages, getting ready to say, for the yeah, game. I, I would need to make sure my show was done when it needed to be done early. We would have had to stay the noon to two times. Yeah, so. I, I'd have been highly inebriated. <laughs> Well, those things, I feel like it's kind of encouraged, you know? Yeah, almost. I mean, if you don't inebriate yourself at a Hall of Fame induction with a guy that you played with, did you really even go to did the ceremony? Did you really even go to the ceremony? You might as well just stay at home for all that. You could have babysit grandma for that. Like, what are we talking about here? So, no Hall of Fame game tonight. Ugh. Yeah, we were supposed to put the women and children to bed and let the wolves go out and hunt. <sighs> this would I mean, this was going to be a great week. I mean, it's been a great week. Don't get me wrong, but it was going to be a, a great week. Like Tony the Tiger, great. Oh, Motsi, we'd be chilling out in Canton right now. I tell you this, I never thought that I'd be upset that I wasn't in Ohio. 
But I, here I am upset that I'm not in Ohio. Now, see, for me, I was still hoping that this was going to be a better experience for me. Last time I was in Canton, it was the Hall of Fame game. We lost our kicker, and that really put a damper on our season. You know, it, it, it was a, a very, very unique situation. I Granted, I had one of my GMU alum, Charles Haley, getting inducted. That mm-hmm. was an awesome experience nice. seeing that. Yep. But, yeah, it, it was it was not cool, man. It was it's not, not cool good. at all. It's not good. You know what is good, Arthur Motes? What is? Three Question Thursday. Is it my favorite thing to do on a Thursday? It is your favorite thing to do on a Thursday, besides talk to Brian Backo, of course. We will have a little three questions for Arthur Motes on the other side. Keep those tweets rolling in at Wesley Euler at the Body 52. The Body. We'll get to those before we get out of here as well. You are listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Three questions for Arthur Motes on a Thursday. I'm sure most of Yins already know the drill, but I got to think we picked up some new listeners. It is training camp week. We are on in a different time slot. So it's real simple. Uh, Three question Thursday for Arthur Motes. It's three questions. Usually during the season, right, there are questions, two of them that are football-related but outside of the Steelers' bubble. You know, a nice change of pace on the discussion. And then the third one that's always kind of a quirky pop culture-type question. It could be about movies. It could be about music. It could be about food. It could be about something happening on TikTok or Instagram, right? You know, we, we have some fun with this. But during the offseason, we open it up a little bit more, and that's what we're doing, continuing here today, Arthur Motes. And I get to be the lucky victim. Woohoo! Let's go! Our guy David sent us a Photoshop. Me, you, Adam Crowley, and Brian Backo as all part of a band. Mm. Did you see that earlier today? I did not. I, I, got, I got an issue with, with, uh, with old D-Hat. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, you might as well tell him right now. Yeah, he, man. He, uh, you're on, he's on your bad list. He's yeah, on your yeah, naughty yeah. list. So, so I, I love all the Photoshop he does. It really gets me going, especially the edits and everything. But he's a Penn State guy. He is. And yesterday we had a conversation where I had to bring up some of my – my Penn State bad blood. Yes, you did. And as I'm laying in my bed yesterday, I look and I say, oh, let me let me check this Twitter notification out. And it's a picture of me in Penn State colors. Oh, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. It just brought back the pain. It just brought back the, the utter disdain that I have for that university. We are never. That's just how I feel about it, man. All right. So, yeah, Dev. It's D-Hav. not. It's not, I, I got, mo- it's not I, Motes, it's you. I'm just saying, man. It's not me, it's you. Yeah. I, I'm not a Penn State guy. Told you. Yeah. It's over. Penn State had their chance. They broke my heart, so it's forever beef. That's when it became When I think personal. of Arthur Motes and Penn State, I think of a famous breakup country western song. Mm. She broke my heart. I'll break his jaw. Sound about right. That's Arthur Motes. They broke my heart. I'll Sound broke their right. jaw. I'll break their job. I'm trying to think. Do I even got friends that go to Penn State? It's I got one guy, but that's because I knew him oh, beforehand. Arthur Motes, you and, live and in Western was, Pennsylvania. You got friends that went to Penn State. No, 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 no. I know people that go to Penn State. I said <laughs> friends. It's different. Big difference, all right? Big difference. <laughs> so with that Photoshop that he sent us of the four of us in a band rocking and rolling, simple question, Arthur Motes. All time, you can be in any band or group. Right, but it can't be a solo act. Like you can't say like, 
oh, you know, uh, I would be Frank Sinatra or I'd be Jay-Z. You got to be wait, part of Frank Sinatra with the Rat Pack. What was so that? you could say Rat Pack. I was like, yeah, you okay, okay. All right, I was like, hey, now. But band or group, right? So you can't be an individual act. But what yeah. band or a group all time would you be in? Uh, I guess this is easy. Uh, Avenge Sevenfold is number one. You already know how I feel. I always forget yeah. those are your boys. Yeah, that, that's, that's my group, man. And then Guns N' Roses, probably, man. Or, or or Motley Crue, but... Motley Crue's on my list. I, I, I would need to be single and, uh, uh, yeah, in a different headspace. And have that. a doctor on standby 24-7. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> there would be some wild oh. stuff going on, all right? That's all I'm saying. I'm leaving it at that. <laughs> what about you, man? Who are you rolling with? I mean, you already know I'd be in the Grateful Dead. Yeah. Obviously. You know you know that's my steam. Uh, but I listed a couple. I said Motley Crue as well. I um, mean, how could you not have Motley Crue up there, right? How could you not? <laughs> I mean, it just seems like nobody had more fun than those. And not necessarily good, clean family How are they fun, alive but... right now? Like, that, that's, that's yeah. That's, that's the real question. Like, woo. Woo. Is your liver okay? Is your body okay? I also, Arthur Motes, put the Jimi Hendrix experience because Ooh, remember, they were a band. Ooh, yes, yes. You're so right. I think, you know, just to like be the drummer or the bass player for Jimmy would have been yeah. incredible. I also got in sync on mine. Whoa. Because, you know, I grew up in the you 90s. I could have had, no. had the Frost and Tips. Oh, and I could have been the, the Justin Timberlake. I could have been. Come on. Bye, bye, listen, bye, listen, bye, bye, bye. listen. You you want to talk about a group? Had me in the Rough Riders. Don't be so quick to. Yeah, I'd have been in the away. Rough Riders with DMX. We'd have been out here. Me. Fatigues, Tim's oh, on. You know who I? I'd be in yeah. 98 degrees. I'd be Nick Lachey. Oh wow. And then you know Jessica Simpson. You, you're picking up what I'm putting wow. down. How'd that work out? Well, they don't ask how. <laughs> they ask how many. Whoa. <laughs> Three question Thursday. Question number two. Arthur Motes. Is there anything in your life that recently or in the past year or two you had to learn the hard way? Mmm. Whoa. Um, boy, what you trying? What you trying I, to listen, do? I told you what? before break. Just you to be fair, wildin'. I got some philosophical questions you for you. You are wilding right now. Wilding out. And I know that one's tough. So you want me to give my answer first to yeah, give yeah, you yeah, give you a yeah, minute to think? Yeah. Ooh. Wow. Ah, uh, Motsi, what I've been learning the hard way, like this past like eight months. Mm-hmm. Is that owning a home is difficult. <laughs> mm. Like, right? Wifey and I are, are homeowners for the first time, and dude, it's just always something. Like, I thought, right, oh, you own a house, it's great. You yeah. know, hey, you don't have to worry about this. You can do what you want. If you want to paint the bedroom, you can paint the bedroom. If you yes. want to do that, you can do that. And don't get me wrong, that freedom is certainly nice. But, dude, it's always something with the house. We've had this place for a little over two years now. Always. Water, Always. Heater, water heater's gone. Ceiling fan is gone. Always something. Uh, yesterday, Arthur Motes was the most rattled I think I've been in my life. We have seven smoke alarms in our house, and I know mm. that because I had to go find all seven <laughs> of them in the attic and in the closets because yesterday, right as I was getting ready to leave for work, all the smoke alarms went off at once because one of the batteries went out, so they all went off at once. Oh, like Coach Thomas said, one fail, we all fail, one baby. One fail, we all fail. Arthur Motes, it took me 45 minutes to get the ladder and get oh, up in the man. attic and all this and get all the – and my poor dog is, like, losing his mind with all these alarms going off in the house. Arthur Motes, one thing that I recently learned the hard way is that home ownership is hard. There's always there, – when you own a home, there's always something. There's yeah, always you're, something. Yeah, absolutely right. You know what? Now that I've had a time to think about this, and I've it doesn't have to be that serious. And I've had a chance to come up with something that's not going to get me, uh, you know, <laughs> assaulted. <laughs> I, I would say, man, 
I've learned the hard way that just because you get the first dog and the first dog is perfect, that doesn't mean the second dog is going to be perfect. Oh. So anybody that knows me know I have two Frenchies. I got Biggie and I got Faith. He's got Biggie and he's got Pac. Named that named the Biggie Smallest Faith Evans, all right? Biggie, class act, man. Smooth criminal, <laughs> man. You, you tell him sit, he going to sit there and not move until I say move. He eats when he wants to eat. He chill. He relaxes, and that's that. Then we got Faith. Oh, man. So we finally got to the phase where at least Faith is potty trained for the most part. 95% there. <laughs> but she's everything that Biggie oh, is not. No. Biggie chills. She barks every second. Biggie wants to relax. She jumps on Biggie. Oh, no. Biggie don't even look at the couch. She jumping on the couch trying to take whatever you got in your hand about you. It, it's, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. So that's what I've learned. Just because you got the first one and it was smooth. Don't don't fall for the trap. Don't fall for the banana in the tailpipe. And I'm learning that the hard way right now, man. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. Tell me about it. And that's right. Too. Maybe that's like it's like everybody, right? They, if they have a, their first child yeah. and, and it's an easy baby who sleeps through the oh, night. Yeah, let's get another they're one. like, oh man, the second one, the second one. one's always the nightmare, right? Yes. The terrible twos, and the second child doesn't sleep. It's and- crazy. I'm like, everything that we said was one of the strong qualities and characteristics of Biggie, which is why we said, let's get another one because she's cute. Biggie got a companion. Biggie, too, I mean, Biggie and Faith is perfect. You know what I mean? It's cute. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Absolute nightmare. It was nice in theory, right? Not yeah. so much in actuality. Terrible execution. Terrible execution. Three question Thursday. Question number three. Arthur Motes, what is something in your life that you believe you're convinced no matter what even if you spent a ton of time on it, you still wouldn't be able to do it well. Now, this is very difficult because literally everything I do, if I put time in, I'm going to do it well. <laughs> oh, man, this is tough. All right. Um... Oh, man. What would I? <sighs> you know what? Just for conversational purposes, I know that this is your thing. But for me, man, I would say playing the guitar. That's the one thing. Like, I've looked at it. It looks very intimidating to me. I'm a musician, self-taught, drummer, pianist. But when it comes to the guitar, I just look at it. I'm just like, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm not feeling the finger thing. And, (laughs) you know, in my right hand or my left hand, because I do everything, you know, pretty ambidextrously and things like that. I'm just like, I I don't know. It's just, yeah. But I think that would be the one that even if I practice it, I'll be stuck with Like, I think for a lot of people, it would be a music-related answer. Yeah. And that's mine, too. It's funny how you and I are on the same page with a lot of these things. Singing. You know it, Arthur Motes. You know this. Everybody knows. I love to sing, all right? I sing on the show. We do the Here We Go song during the year. Here we go. You know, earlier in the show, I don't remember what. I was singing something earlier. Oh, I was singing the the drip songs that Brian Bacco came through dripping. And post my drip up daily just so they can see. (laughs) Listen, I love to sing. I always have. But I was never good at it, all right? When I was a kid and I was playing guitar and I thought that I wanted to pursue a career in music, I used to always lament to my father, who has a very successful career in music, that, man, Pops, if I could just sing. And you know what my dad would always say to me? What would he say? Now, he Bob say? Dylan couldn't sing. That didn't stop him. Exactly, man. <laughs> Where there's a will, there is a way. But Bra- Bradley most- Cooper, Bradley Cooper won a worst singer. You think he can sing? He no. can't sing. Lady Gaga carries him the whole song. He won an award for it, though. Come on, man. I think I could take vocal lessons from Lady Gaga for for two years, and I still wouldn't be able to. (laughs) You know, Motes, if I – I just wish I – you know, I just wish I could hit those notes like Axl Rose and like Freddie Mercury. You know? I wish I had that Nat King Cole range. That Michael Jackson. 
Oh. Maybe, maybe with the Just auto tune it. You I, I got to get the auto tune, bro. I wish I could sing. I, <laughs> I, I wish I could sing Arthur Motes because you know I'd just be traveling around the country with my little guitar. Mm. You know, just playing little jazz jazz spots. You know, like I'm Sinatra back in the in the '60s. Respect. I would like that. No, yeah, it was something that I uh, believe I'll never be able to do well, no matter how much I tried singing. It's like that sometimes, it's man. Like that it's sometimes. like that sometimes. <laughs> it's always like that. I with can musical, respect that. It's always like that with musical things. It feels it like because I feel like from an athletic standpoint, like you can work on certain things and get better, and you can grow in that department. You want to get bigger, you can lift weights. You want to lose weight, you can do this. You want to get faster, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I got another yeah. one for you. I got another one for you. Oh, dunk a basketball on, on a, a on, on a, a regular. I'm gonna say regulation go. Okay, yeah. okay. Got Listen, you. I'm five foot ten. I mean, hold on, you can't dunk. No. Serious? You think I can dunk? Five foot ten is pretty tall. You're good. I can touch the rim, but I can't dunk a basketball. Man, that's wow. Listen, why do you think my favorite sports movie of all time is White Men Can't Jump? What? He's gonna pump him up a little I'm bit. I'm Billy Hoyt. <laughs> I'm Billy Hoyt. I can shoot the J all day. You I can take it to dunk. the rack. Oh man! Come on, Sydney. This is a bet, dude. I thought you could dunk. You I, think I, you I really didn't even think I could dunk. Dude, you're 5'10". I was like, I was doing that in middle school, high school. Yeah, you're a better athlete than I am. But I wasn't that tall, <laughs> then. I was in the National Football I'm just saying, man. <laughs> I figured everybody could dunk. <laughs> I figured if you're over 5'9". Like, like, I figure everybody can skate and can skate backwards on skates, and yeah. most people can't, so maybe that's just the equivalent. Yeah, I just figured, like, yeah, man, you're 5'9", you could dunk. No, Mutsi, <laughs> all my buddies used to rip on me. And I'm talking like the, the basic one hand dunk. No, like, Most when we were seniors in high school, you would have loved it. Like we would oh, literally, man. we'd spend like <laughs> half an hour at the end of the day in school, and all my boys would be like, "All right, come on, Woo." Because remember, I told you that like yeah, the, yeah. the Woo Woo uh-huh. Tang nickname. All right, come on, Woo. Let's see if you can dunk today. I got ten bucks if you can dunk. And I, oh, I, I, like I said, I can get the rim. I just can't dunk the basketball. That's wild. And I'd storm out of the gym, you know, crying, and I'd be like, "Yo, come see me on the ice. Then we'll see who's laughing." I'm a little surprised by that, man. I can't dunk. Now, maybe if I got like a little tiny like Nerf ball, I might be able to pull it. But I'm talking no, 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 like dunk, basketball. Dunk. Yeah, like dunk. Can't do it. Can't not, do it. Not, not, because if it's not can't regulation, if the can't ball isn't right, that's not dunking. Can't do it. Can't have, hey, can't happen with these guys. Can't do it. Can't I, coach them. I'm em. not gonna lie. I, I'm a little surprised by that, man. I would have never guessed that. I'm a little surprised that you're a little surprised. Maybe it's all this hairs holding me down, Mozi. Maybe if I went with the buzz cut, I was a little that, more that aerodynamic. Might the, that might be I'm, it, man. <laughs> Or what type of shoes you wearing when you trying to dunk? Are you wearing Jordans or you got like Adidas shell toes on or something, man? No, you, I mean I was I was wearing kicks when I was trying to do okay, this. I was say don't be yeah. up here trying to dunk in some cross trainers or something. Yeah. <laughs> you got running sneakers on, so I could I couldn't dunk. They got my Asics on. I can't <laughs> dunk. What's going on? You wonder why? <laughs> That's why you blow your Achilles out, man. You tripping? Ooh, we learned something new about each other today. Yeah, man. I can't dunk. Arthur Motes is intimidated by guitar. There we go. Yes. That's all we got. Yeah, because I was like, I can roll the blades, all that, forward, back, forward. Uh, was it roller blade or skate with the four yeah. uh, wheels up there? Yeah. I can ice skate forward. I'm sure if I tried to ice skate backwards, I could eventually you can learn. get that. No, you're an athlete. You can learn, for man, sure. But man, I, I thought you could dunk. Gosh. I'm, su- I'm really surprised by that, man. I need. You know what I need is I need one of those slam ball type. No, no, no. You know what? 
when we get our new studio, you know how Pat McAfee has like the full there basketball. There we go. We're going to get it. We, you going to dunk. We're going to be, every you day gonna we're going to get better. All right. That's what yeah. we're going to do. You're you going to be dunking. Let's start. You know what? Let's do it. Let's start a GoFundMe for the, for, the, for, for the new Euler Emote Steelers Blitz studio. <laughs> and you're right. Like McAfee will have a hoop in there. All right. And every mm-hmm. time, every time we go to commercial break, we'll live stream it. And Moats can help me yep. learn how to dunk. Maybe if you catch an alley-oop first, that might help you out because that, that was my first okay. time. Dunking like because you don't have to worry about dribbling right, you just or jumping yeah. as high as you can, absolutely. And then you just you run get that belief. Jump. Yeah, that's how I first dunked. And See, then from there, it was I like, I needed oh, you right. around in high school as opposed yeah. to my boys who were just laughing and clowning on me. Eh, don't oh, yeah. worry, Wes, you still got hockey, yeah, you still got soccer. Don't well, because worry. the thing is, a lot of times when you first starting out, like your hands, my hands were small, so trying to like palm a basketball, I couldn't do it. So mm-hmm. before I could learn to yep. turn it over fast enough, I'm like, all right, what, what can we do here? <laughs> yep. Oh, dude, we, all right, I can catch you. You know what? Out in the parking lot, too, like senior year, like we'd play hacky sack or we'd mm-hmm. play like, you know, like keep it up with a soccer ball. Yeah. All my boys always wanted me involved then because ah, I was a good guy to be teammates with, right? Okay, I got the foot okay. skills. I got the knee skill. Yeah. But when it's time to dunk the basketball, I was, oh, man. Wow. I was not the gym class hero. Let's put it wow. that way. <laughs> Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler having some fun with some laughs. Oh, here comes David with the Photoshop of me trying to dunk already. <laughs> oh, boy. Last right. <laughs> Last chance to get those tweets in. We'll wrap up your reaction as we always do. At Wesley Euler, at the body 52. The body. Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Wrapping up with your reaction as we always do on the Twitter.com, the lit one, Rebecca. Lit, lit, lit. Fantasy hypothetical. Okay. All the Steelers are healthy. Mm-hmm. You get two receivers and one running back. Go. Two receivers, one running back? Can we count tight ends as receivers? Is I was that about fair to say, because if I can, I'm taking Deontay and Ebron. Same here. Yeah, and, and low key sleeper pick, I'm going McFarlane because I think that third down action going to be Ooh. filthy. I'm just throwing it out there. I was going to say maybe Benny Snell because the. The goal line, the short yardage yeah. could get some touchdowns. That's the same reason I would definitely take Ebron. I think yeah, yeah. he could Ebron's be the red, the, the red zone, the red zone guy. Especially when you talk yeah. fantasy. That that cooks. You need touchdowns. <laughs> yes, I absolutely. Mean, point blank period. You need touchdowns. D. Hev, he's trying to apologize here. He says, come on now, Motsi. It was a what could have been homage. Oh, all right, all right, all right. Respect, said, respect. I didn't mean to spark up the Joe Pa PTSD. <laughs> nothing, nothing but love. <laughs> It's all good, man. It was hot. It was beautiful edit. I'm telling you, for a second, I had a thought process of like, oh, what could have been? I heard like the, the song playing. Dun, 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 dun. The Chariots of Fire. Dun, dun. Yeah, I was like, oh, man, this is me. And, and we're carrying Joe Pop that winning the national championship, beating USC, the Trojans. Oh, man. I'm is just that gonna... who it was? You're beating USC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was my other school. That was, that was like, I liked them, but I never okay. envisioned like, myself being there because it was across the country. Across the country. Yeah, but I was like, I can just see it now, man. Penn State, we beat them. And he has me in the 52 there as well, which I did like a lot because, you know, before I came to Pittsburgh, that was my number. Those were the digits. Sure. So, yeah, man, it felt good. But then, like I said, it just reminded me of what really happened. And then from there, I was like, you know what? I started seeing red. And I was like, Rrr. Some scars, they never heal. You're right. Even if you pick at them. 
Mug Entertainment points out prior Steelers that would have been multi-sport stars. How about Rod Woodson, a bronze medalist Olympic hurdler? Mm, I could see that. Yeah, I could definitely see that. How many Olympic medals did your boy Dion win? Well, you know, Dion, he was just too busy doing his thing in the MLB. Well, what would you, I see? What would you rather do, Arthur Motes? Win a uh, win an Olympic medal or play Major League Baseball? Major League Baseball. I don't need to pay more, man. Come on, baby. I need to. I know the answer. Come to that on, question. man. We <laughs> knock wood around here because we don't <laughs> like baseball. Let's say which one pays more, man. Let's well, talk about now, it. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. But if you're also playing in the NFL, maybe the money then is. All isn't. I'm saying is this. Let's be real about I mean, it. Baseball right? does pay nice. We, we we can go down the list and ask people. Hey, did y'all know that Rod Wilson won this medal? Versus did y'all know Dion played baseball? Now, granted. Getting an Olympic medal is a way bigger accomplishment, without a doubt. But from a notoriety standpoint, from a financial standpoint, it's not even close when we're talking about professional sports in, in terms of America, like football and baseball and things like that, man. That'll do it for today's show. He's Arthur Motes, the Rod Woodson hater and the Deion Sanders lover. And nah, what, I'm what's just, just my guy? I'm, Come on, I'm man. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You can like one guy more than the other and still like the other guy, right? I mean, no. obviously. <laughs> All right, yeah, sure. Because I like you and I like Batco, so you're right, you're right. There you go. There yeah. you go. Barely. Mozi, that'll do it for today. Thanks to Batco for joining us. Thanks to everybody who called in, tweeted in. We'll have some fun on the program tomorrow. It's a Friday. Arthur Motes, it's also going to be the return of get that. Well, I guess last week was kind of yeah the pseudo well, and, return. And, and we got, I mean, Pittsburgh playoff hockey tomorrow, too. Oh, geez, I'm a yeah. little we're nervous. Gonna be, we're going to be, oh, man, Ooh. distracted Ooh. or pumped up or depressed. Yeah. I mean, depending on how it goes, we went like the other night. We could have a whole emotional roller coaster doing that show. I tell you that. Mm-mm-mm. Well, Ho- we'll talk to you in tomorrow. Hope for the best. Expect the worst. Let's go. At 3 o'clock. And hopefully by the time we get off air, the Penguin season will not be over. <laughs> Motes, that'll do it for today. Let's hit the music. Let's get out of here. We'll talk to the ends tomorrow at 3 o'clock. And you know where to find us, as always. It's on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Steelers Nation Radio.